in brightest day, in blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. Pretty cool, huh? Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bogleman. And I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 171. <laughs> right. <laughs> um... We are covering, uh, yeah, we're, you know, we have a bunch of random episodes every now and then, so we decided that we'd uh, pick something random and talk about it this time. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> because you demanded it, people. You demanded less because green lantern you, and more random thoughts. That's right. You asked for more randomness. Jim and Dan left because they couldn't do any, you know, more relatively new issues, so we're like, you know what, let's just put it off a little longer. <laughs> following no. a great tradition that's what we're gonna do <laughs> grand tradition yes we are <laughs> no we are finally getting back into the uh the swing of things and catching up and catching up fast now how this is gonna work uh is this episode mark and i are covering green lantern 21 22 and 23 um the way this is gonna go and mark and i have talked about it we're going to do the first three issues of every Lantern title uh, in one episode, uh, whether it be short or long, we're not sure. It just depends on what we have to say about these issues. So this episode will be, like I said, Green Lantern 21 through 23. The next one will be uh, Green Lantern New Guardians uh, 21 through 23. Then Green Lantern Corps 21 through 23. And obviously Red Lanterns uh, would be the next one. The same three issues there. Now, since uh, right after the 23s, we got to Villains Month, we're obviously going to do a Villains Month uh, issue, or episode, rather, covering whatever Villains Month tie-ins we need to cover. And then from that point, uh, I think what we'll just do is cover, uh, we haven't decided for sure yet, but I'm thinking we'll probably just cover the uh, Lights Out storyline as a whole. Which, which uh, would make sense, since there's only there's not many parts to it. Okay, and honestly, just and again, guys, peeling back the curtain a little bit, I haven't even gotten to Lights Out just yet. As we as we record right now, I've read Green Lantern twenty one through twenty three and New Guardians twenty one through twenty three. That's it. So I'm not sure how long uh, Lights Out is, and if we'll make it one episode or two. Uh, and then once we do that, once we've covered Lights Out, uh, unless there's some you know overarching story arc, what we'll do then is go back to the uh, episodes where we cover all of uh, all four issues, you know, the and all the same numbering. So, yeah, lights out. We should definitely be able to cover in one episode because there's there's only one issue of every title in Lights Out, and then it concludes in the annual. So, it's... are they all the all the episode? I'm guessing are they all 24s? Yes. Okay. Yeah, That's they're all. So, go ahead. All, all 24s, and then an annual, and then I guess the next episode will be all 25s, and then. We'd be re depending on how fast we get these knocked out. We'll be relatively caught up by that. That's true. Uh, so that's how it's going to work. Uh, so for all of all of you uh, complaining that uh, the Green Lantern talk is a miss, it is not a miss. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, looky who stepped up to the plate to uh, cut his teeth and cut it hard. You're actually volunteering to take two issues instead of just one. Yes, yes, I figured I'd give it a shot. I, I, I went back and reviewed all these issues, so um, I don't, 
like like you said, we don't know how much there'll be to talk about when we get through these issues, but at least they're at least uh, it's a beginning and it's a start. And if nothing else, we need to get through these issues to get to the new Guardians episode. So that's something too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, go ahead, take it away. The floor is yours. Green Lantern number twenty-one. All right, Green Lantern number 21, which introduces the new creative team with Robert Venditti as the writer, Billy Tan the artist, and in issue 21, certainly Richard Friend is the inker. And the the title on the cover, anyway, is Beware Our Power, with a pretty depressed-looking Hal Jordan standing in front of the central power battery. And the issue begins, kind of interesting, it begins, it's essentially a prologue, though it's almost, since it's taking place in the future, maybe it's almost like an epilogue. But it's in the near future, and the issue opens on Oa, and Hal, John, and Salak are fighting an unseen foe. They have a bunch of rookie lanterns standing with them, but they're pretty green, and they don't even really know what to do with their power rings, or let alone check the level of their rings. They just pretty much are taking up space for the most part there. But the basic idea is that all the green lantern power rings are running very low on energy, and Hal tries to recharge from a power battery. But the battery is empty. In fact, all the power batteries they have are empty. The group of lanterns grab as many of these individual empty power batteries as they can because they figure and their plan is to they're going to get to the central power battery and recharge them. When they get there, Hal sees Kilowog and several other Green Lanterns fighting a large figure in the sky above Oa. This is our first glimpse at who we will know or get to know as Relic. Hal also realizes at that moment that the central power battery is dead and and commences a very unhal like we're done for. And that ends the the uh, little glimpse into the future and we go back to the the present. We see Hal showing up at Ferris Aircraft to visit Carol. Hal's in a really good mood but Carol's not and she pretty much makes it clear that not only is Hal not her number one pilot anymore, he's pretty much not even her boyfriend anymore. She pretty much kicks him to the curb. And she makes a comment that, you know, she still loves him, but she kind of almost steps back a little and says maybe she loves the promise of him. Like it's the idea of being in love with him that's, or what, there's just you know, an idealized version maybe of what it could be with Hal is what, is what she really is in love with. And she's afraid that if she actually stays with him, that that will affect her if things go bad. It could affect her ability to be a sapphire anymore. And clearly, according to this anyway, Carol is now really attached to being the being a star sapphire and is and does not want to give that up. So she's essentially choosing. In a way, you can make the make the case she's choosing to be uh, a sapphire more than being you know being with Hal. That's more important to her at this point. Right in the middle of that fun conversation. Uh, Hal gets called back to Oa, but he remains hopeful that things are going to get better and work out between him and Carol, though Carol makes it clear that she's not so optimistic. Hal gets returns to Oa, and he finds the Templar Guardians, along with Kyle, ex- exploring the evidence vault. And Hal is kind of expecting, based on his previous experience with Guardians, to be yelled at for something, and he kind of mentions the fact that he's already been scolded enough for one day but the, guardi- the Guardians re- surprise him greatly by, by making it clear that he's not in trouble, and in fact, they want to promote him. They, he is being promoted to core leader, and Hal is very reluctant to take the job, and Kyle isn't exactly helping, <laughs> isn't exactly helping his ego by making, 
kind of like protesting along with him, like, I don't know if you want to do that. Not in so many words, but he's trying to be funny, but it's see, that's the point he's, that's coming across. Hal kind of doesn't want to do it, but he reluctantly accepts, and he becomes the core leader. And the Templar Guardians basically give him the important task of rebuilding and holding the core together because their plan is to leave Oa and to learn about the universe. They feel it's important that they do this before they can govern since they are attempting or doing everything they can not to make the same mistakes that their previous the previous guardians their predecessors made. So, Hal ends up being he is partnered with the new protocol officer which is Kilowog because Salak has he's packed it in and resigned because he he's too damaged and too and just doesn't trust Guardians at all after everything that happened with the Third Army and the First Lantern and everything. He just quit. So much like Hal gets a new job that he's not really fond of or isn't craving, Kilowog's in the same position. Hal makes a command decision and releases all the rings of the fallen GLs that were being held up from seeking active or new active new recruits. So Hal makes that decision to release them thinking that they need some new blood and they need to, re, you know, kind of repopulate the core. And just at that moment, guess who shows up? Our old buddy Larflee shows up. And and Kilowog orders all the lanterns into action to deal with to deal with the threat of Larflees. The, the alarm goes off, and in the science cells, uh, Vaz, who we haven't seen in a while, um, and a few other lanterns re- want to respond to the alert. And they try to charge the rings, but at first the batteries don't respond. And they kind of were puzzled by that because of the fact that some of the their individual batteries, at least some of them, were just recently recharged, so they should clearly have had a full charge. But after a few seconds of nothing, you know, the rings do recharge. And the lanterns, are, they all leave the science cell except for Lantern Cassette who volunteers to stay behind and guard the prisoners, but he actually is doing it more because he has a personal relationship, or at least from his point of view, is a personal relationship with one of the prisoners, Noel Ange. Well, Covsite kind of stays there with her. On the surface, Larflees is attacking Oa, seemingly, because he, with the Guardians being gone, Oa is weakened, and he essentially wants to raid their treasure. And whatever they have hidden in Oa... Larflees wants. So Hal's able to shake off the initial attack on him by Larflees, which puzzles Larflees, since according to him anyway, green energy isn't supposed to respond that way to orange, which is a a point that gets touched on later on during this uh, mini story arc about the relationship between the the, the emotions or the, the different color energies, how they are relating to each other. Hal is confident that the rings he sent out are going to bring back good recruits, but instead the issue ends with four unhappy, new, and non-threatening-looking recruits arriving to quote-unquote help. And that pretty much ends Green Lantern 21. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Now, now, I'm going to start off with the good. I love the art. I love the art. I don't care what anybody says. It's epic. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's well done. I think that any problems I have with the art rest only in the designs that the artist was asked to use, and not with the actual art itself. Um, except I'm for not... Ki- except for Kyle, I don't think. The, yeah, 
especially the, the way he draws Kyle, especially the mask, which essentially almost looks like a like a like a visor, almost like like he's a Cylon from Battlestar Galactica. That that was what I was about to say. Um, if you look in the uh, in the pages where the Guardians are talking to Hal, uh, at the very top, um, where Kyle says, "You ever heard of parallax?" That mask, uh, I hate it. I've always hated that mask. It looks ridiculous. It looks massive. It looks uncomfortable. I don't. I don't even know. But that mask has been there since Kyle became a White Lantern. So again, my problem with it is with the design of Kyle, not necessarily the way the artist is doing it. That's true. I have. I have not liked Kyle's mask ever, ever since the he became a White Lantern. It was just ridiculous. It was crazy. And uh, they should not have. They, they should have used this opportunity to change that if they could have. One of the things I do like is um, the continuation of what um, what is it? What's his name? Jim Lee did uh, with uh, the Justice League issues. Remember, one of the changes we first noticed when we saw Green Lantern using his power were the little spindly tendrils connecting the ring to whatever construct was being made. Right. Yeah, if you look at um, where the in the beginning where the power battery is dead, uh, on the title page it says "Dark Days Ahead." Yes, you can see the little spindles uh, going up and collecting everything. And as a side note, it's kind of cool. The, uh, the the lantern recruit with those tendrils on her head is holding batteries with them. I yes. didn't notice that until just now. That's yeah, that is pretty cool. <laughs> now, who is the colorist on this? It is Alex Sinclair and Tony Avina. I like the colors. I like the colors, especially when Larflee shows up. Um, the colors can get a little muddy uh, sometimes. Particular, I don't know if they're different. There, I think there might have been a different inker on um, a different ink and combo on the 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 pages where Hal is talking to Kyle and the Guardians because it just looks different. Um, I don't. My my copy doesn't show it very clearly. Does it say? On the title page, the breakdowns of who got what page? No, I don't believe so. Okay, there's because there's a couple of there's only one inker, so I'm guessing it's the colorists that that took turns on pages, and you can tell that different in different places. Um, but when Larfleet shows up, that coloring is epic. And now I don't know. Are you looking at the actual paper copies? Like the, yes, the, I have the paper copies in front of me too. Okay, I, I have digital, so obviously you know it's backlit, so maybe it looks a little better on my screen. But it's, do the colors pop as much on your page as they do on my screen? Certainly, when Laura Fleas first shows up, yes, and, and he does, and he draws a. I mean, the artwork, especially related to Laura Fleas, is really good. Laura mm-hmm. Fleas really looks good because we know Laura Fleas can be hit or miss depending how people draw him. Kind of like Atrocitus, that sometimes Atrocitus looks horrible, but Laura Fleas looks. Larflees is really drawn well in this issue, and so are his constructs. Oh, absolutely! That that's, that that uh, half-page splash where he pops up, Glommy. Glommy's not a funny character, right there. He nope. looks demonic as hell. My my favorite. This is my new favorite. My new favorite uh, Orange Lantern. Because remember, I like the girl with the horns uh, in the past. Um, where it, the arm where Larflees is clutching the battery. Right above his elbow, that forearm dude. I don't yeah, know what I knew he you- is. <laughs> 
He looks epic. As I knew hell. you. I knew you were going to say that as soon as you start. As soon as you started saying that, I go. I bet you he's going to go for like this kind of like this forearm dinosaur looking guy. <laughs> he looks so cool. <laughs> That's I don't know, man. One of these days, I'm going to have to have like Tyler or somebody do like a a splash page of Larflees, Glommy, that that chick with the horns that popped down through the the Guardian ceiling in one of the early issues of New Guardians. This dude, I don't know. This is these orange lanterns are so cool. I've I have not liked a design for a character for any of the lantern uh, lantern cores except for like every time the orange lanterns show up, there's some new construct lantern, and one of them, at least one of them, looks so cool. I don't I, I don't know. I, when we when we get like a new red lantern or something like that, I never get that way. But when a new orange lantern construct shows up, they just they just because Larflees could be killing anyone at any time and making a <laughs> part of the, his core, or use some new member. You know, because he's right. been how how old is Larflees? How long has he had this battery? Like, honestly, how big is his core? We have no idea. So he could just have legions of these dudes. I don't know. It's just so cool looking. Yeah, it's a it's a very. That's a very good spread, and I I've always liked the Orange Lanterns the way they were when they've shown up, even from the first Agent Orange storyline. The way that the concept was kind of unique. I mean, uh, especially in the beginning when you when it was unclear that they were all going to be avatars as opposed to actually being living, breathing Orange Lanterns. But I think, but it's it. I agree. I think it's always good to see to see. Because it's almost like it's an Easter egg that when you're seeing spreads like that, it's like you you will always see the orange lanterns that you expect or you're hoping to sell like see like Glommy and things like that. But then it's but then if you look at it, you'll, you like you mentioned, you never know when you're going to find a construct or a, a character whose design you've never seen before, and maybe we'll see more of. You never know. I mean, it's sometimes the throwaways, but you, a lot of characters have kind of been throwaways, and that over time you see more of them. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so now, now we get to it. Now, I mentioned this in episode 165 where we did the pop topics and I was talking about should Carol be part, you know, should 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 Carol, the relationship between Carol and Al be held to the same standard as legend, you know, comic legendary romance as like Barry and Iris and Clark and Lois and all that stuff. And we talked about this particular interaction where Carol basically says, Hal, you and I are done because you're probably going to screw it up if we do become in a relationship and then I'll lose the ring and I can't do that. I can't lose the ring. Now, obviously, Mark, you weren't on that episode. What are your thoughts about what Carol says here? Maybe you have a different perspective. Well, I mean, it's a a very – it's an interesting part of the issue because on – on many levels, because first you have the whole aspect of it does kind of seem like it's coming out of left field. You know, it's I mean, it's. It's Carol spent the entire, you know, the for the the uh, I'm drawing a blank here, the uh, third army storyline, helping Kyle become a white lantern, essentially to get Hal back and everything through the, you know, the wrath of the first lantern to get Hal back. And then you, you go through all that, and she gets Hal back, and it's kind of like, well, okay, now it's like, I got what I, you know, be careful what you wish for, because you might get it. That's kind of, I guess, the point that we're on some level here, is that she gets what she wants, because she has him back, but then it's like, okay, well, 
but it, just, it seems to me it seemed forced. It, it seems like it's a plot point that the the, the, the whole idea is they're trying to make to maybe cut down on having Hal have any real need to come to Earth, which I guess on some level also plays out through the lights out storyline and the, and the and the resolution between the cores that that may may have been another reason they wanted to make it easier for Hal not to need to come to Earth that often or to, to lessen his his ties to Earth at least on an emotional level. But it seemed forced to me. It seemed, I mean, it just, I don't know. I don't, and the, and, and the, the other part of it, whether, whether we think, whether we, we think she really would be that attached to being a Sapphire when seemingly it wasn't that long ago she was, she was a reluctant Sapphire at best, that she was just doing it because, you know, people, you know, the Sapphires, the Zamorans needed her to do it or, you know, the universe was in danger and yada yada. And now it seems like, it's almost like she's addicted to it, which is interesting, which is something that could be interestingly explored from the point of view that since red and violet are on the opposite ends of the spectrum, and that's and that should be the strongest emotions, and should actually you make a, make a case be even more, you could be more wrapped up and more addicted in those emotions than even Larfleeze is to, with greed. That you could make a case that it, it, it could that could be plausible. I just think it was the idea of just kicking Hal to the curb like that. Seemed a little, seemed a little forced to me. But it, now, what about you? Now, okay, so what this does, and and now obviously, uh, you guys, I've already said where I'm at currently as we record this with my reading. I don't know if this is the case, but does Hal go back to Earth and spend any significant amount of time there between now and Lights Out, or during Lights Out? Yes, as far as I remember, no. Okay. What this is, and honestly, it, it, it took until now for me to realize it. Now, some of you may uh, listen. I know Dan and I both listen to this podcast, uh, Fire and Water. Um, Rob, the guy who runs AquamanShrine.net, one of his big complaints about Aquaman and his history is – Aquaman in Atlantis has been done to death. The stories get interesting when you take Aquaman out of the water. He doesn't need to be king of Atlantis all the time. And you, the, the stories of him being out of the water are the stories that, for the most part, are awesome. Now, the reason I say that is because by breaking Hal and Carol up, you took away Hal on Earth. Hal is no longer on Earth now. That's that. There's no reason for him to be there. Justice League of America has uh, has Simon, and I, and honestly, I'm not keeping up with uh, with JLA or JL. So I don't know if there is a Green Lantern on the Justice League team. I know that they just got through the whole Villains Month thing. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on over there. Maybe John's part of the Justice League. I don't know. That doesn't matter, honestly. Hal is. Without Carol, there's no reason for him to be in space. But you Carol mean on, has you mean on Earth. You mean on Earth. I mean, yeah, being mean on Earth. I mean on Earth. But Carol has a ring, so she can be in space with with Hal. But they, she says in this very, and I know it's kind of like derogatory towards Hal. She talks talks about how Hal is like sleeping on his little brother's couch. One of the things that we've all been wanting on the show for a while is more of Hal on earth with his family, more of Hal as, you know, he's this protector of sector two, eight, one, four. Now, obviously in this issue, he gets promoted, 
But by and large, he's the protector of Sector 2814. And Sector 2814 is vast, like every sector, but it contains Earth. So therefore, some of his stories should be on Earth. And by getting rid of his relationship with Carol, there's no reason for him, and making him leader of the Corps, there's no reason for Hal to be on Earth. Now, I get it's a little different because Atlantis and land are still on the same planet. Whereas space and Earth is a bigger, is a vastly bigger thing. How do you have a story about a cosmic crusader and ground him always on Earth? Obviously, you can't do that. But Marvel has plenty of cosmic characters that occasionally they bring to Earth. I'm just saying, I, I'm not sure what I would have wanted them to do, but when I saw this, not only did I think Carol's excuse was BS, I also thought, well, there goes any chance of us getting any kind of development with Hal's family, with his relationship, with anything. I, I agree. I think, I think it's kind of like an example of, some, of, of the. Um, well, for that, I just I'll just say what I'll, I think anyway. I'm not going to try to be PC about it. It seems like it's an example of, of of a writer trying to shoehorn something in just because because if it, because they want they want it to go somewhere. So even though this makes no sense, we're gonna we're gonna stick it in now. We're gonna force stick this in. We want him to be the leader of the core. We want him to, for better or for worse, to wrap himself in the core. That's pretty much what he has left, you know, all his entire focus. So how, how do how do we do that? We have Carol kick his ass to the curb. So then all of a sudden he's depressed and he's hurt and he's confused and he's got nowhere else to turn and it just makes it a lot easier for him to to lead the core. Now if they really had wanted to break them up, when you think about it, he still could have had the same exact scenario in which Hal was kind of basically coerced into being the leader of the core. And then he would then by almost by proxy, he would not be on Earth that much. And that would maybe give may give Carol a legitimate excuse to say, well, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of distance between us. And and I know you have no choice. You're doing your job. But yet there's still an issue here. And then mm -hmm. how would you know, it's like what what would Hal do? He has no choice. He's, he is being responsible. By, and on the ultimate cosmic level, he's being responsible. So that to me almost would have made more sense. And it's like, oh, let's just. Let's just break them up for another time, especially, especially. I mean, coming on the heels right after third, you know, third army and wrath of the first lantern, where Carol was, oh, we got to get Hal back, we got to get Hal back. It seemed to be, you know, and she did, she denied it, I think, at one point, but it seemed to almost everybody else that was her main motivation for trying to make Hal, uh, Kyle the White Lantern, so she could, he could, even if Hal was dead, he he could bring him back. Right. So, which, which I, which mind you, I originally thought. I originally thought back in the day that was one of the reasons why they were making Kyle a White Lantern because since Hal was technically dead or, go, or was going to be dead, that that White Lanterns can resurrect, even though now, of course, who the hell knows what Kyle as a White Lantern can do since they're all over the map. But I thought originally that's one of the reasons why Kyle was becoming a White Lantern, so they had a realistic way based on everything we learned before to bring Hal back after he became a Black Lantern. But I, yeah, I think it's I think it's forced. I think it, I think it's BS. And then, since you haven't read too far in advance, as you read more into what they start, what they're doing with Carol, then it also seems, in a way, even more BS because it kind of seems like maybe that they not only did this to make Hal wrapped up with the core, that they seemingly did this for an, for another another reason. And then it's just which I'm not, you probably aren't going to be overly fond of either. So. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. Uh, so I, we probably talked that to death, but uh, so let's move on a little bit. And listeners, let us know what you think about that because honestly, I think it, I think Carol's excuse is BS. And do you personally miss those types of stories where Hal is on Earth? I mean, I know that us on the show, we on the show, have been talking about we want to see Hal with his family. But do you guys like? Because I I don't. I'm not saying I want him there all the time, but Hal is a human who has a family. Why doesn't, I mean, he lost his dad, presumably his mother's dead too. He's still got his brother and his, uh, his, uh, I guess, sister-in-law and his, uh, niece and nephew. I don't, wouldn't he want to see his little remaining family? I don't know. Uh, so l- let us know what you think. Lanterncast at gmail.com. Now, Going to the very next page, and this is just something I wanted to point out, because while you were talking, because I knew that I was going to be bringing this up, I zoomed in a little bit. Uh, the Guardian's going through this little, little thing. Do you think this is the, the in the uh, the forgery or whatever? Um, no, I would say no, just because of the fact that they, they specifically say it's the evidence vault, which makes you think that these are just little, these are all trinkets and things that they've picked up along the way from other aliens and other battles and things like that i don't think i don't think it's i don't think it's supposed to be i don't necessarily think it's supposed to be maybe even a place where we've seen before i don't think it's like where we found krona's gauntlet and all these other things in their uh, in their like half half bells alpha lanterns or whatever the hell they had all all the different things that we've seen them find down there like during war the green lanterns but oh, i mean it could, it could it could be close but you fell into my trap oh did you you fell into my trap, sir. Step into my web. Okay. What's I, I know. I know. It says the inside the evidence vault. The reason I wanted you to say that was because. Do you see the lantern that's hovering there, looking at that little ball thing? The little ball thing. The, the, ball oh, the, thing. One, the one in the middle of the page, like towards the left. Yeah, that's uh, got the goggles on his head, and he's got messing with that ball thing. Yeah. Look down by his feet. Do you see the penguin's umbrella, Catwoman's whip, the Riddler's oh, you're right. staff, and Harley Quinn's Yeah, you're hood? right. You're right. <laughs> when the hell, <laughs> when in the ever-loving hell, have the Green Lantern Corps gone up against a squadron of Batman villains? I know. That, 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 you're right. That doesn't make any sense. And what <laughs> And what do we have, like, almost to the left of that? Is that, like, supposed to be, like, is that, is that like, another... Is that another secret book that we don't not supposed to know what it is? Because it looks like it's a book that's open and like the Infinity Gauntlet or something to the left of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I saw it, I thought Infinity Gauntlet too. Um, so I I don't I don't freaking know. But I'm thinking, is that okay? So above the the Batman villain stuff, which honestly I I know people is probably means absolutely nothing. But, you know, the artist, I love stuff like this. The artist had a chance to throw some random crap in there and just let let it fly and see if anybody noticed. I think that's pretty freaking funny. <laughs> um, scroll, if you, if you go up a little bit, is that a Spider Guild thing? That looks like something like the Spider Guild would use. It could be. Yeah. What's supposed to be in that glass case? Is that supposed to be like kryptonite or something? Down at the corner? It's got, I don't know what it's supposed to be. Uh, I don't know. It looks like it's got something on it. That's what I, I thought know. too. That's what gave me pause to think that it was because it almost looked like it was something you'd plug in, something would plug into it. Now I don't know what it is, but I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> okay, you see Kyle's head. 
Yep. To the to the right of Kyle's head in that middle shelf. What the heck is that? <laughs> it almost looks like a stuffed glommy. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a little just doll just in the background going, Hey, I'm over here. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting page. Uh, and is that a, one more thing I noticed in there? Is that a lantern battery of some sort down at the bottom? Oh yeah, but to the left of the guy holding the gun. Yes. Yeah. I, yes. To me, it does. It definitely looks like a battery. I'm not sure why it's there, but it does look like a a battery. Though yeah. you don't see an opening, you don't. Well, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. It is. It does look. It does look battery like. Let's put it that way. Now I'm not completely 100 percent like. I can't memorize every little thing I've ever seen in any comic ever. So if you guys out there listening have seen some of these things before, for some reason that that kind of out of focus guardian in the background flying towards the reader that's carrying that weird thing in his hand. I don't know what that is, but it looks familiar somehow. And this little purple thing in front of this giant gem that looks like it's got various wings and stuff. I swear I've seen above, above Kyle's head. Yes. I swear I've seen this before. I just don't remember where. So. But I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, because obviously the, the, the artist hid some stuff in there, like with the, the Batman villains uh, thing. So I, I just wanted to, to bring that up and, and see what it is. See if anybody anybody out there recognizes anything and uh, what, what you thought of all of that. <laughs> now, what did you think of... Lo- no. I'm not sure if you were planning on if you were going to bring this up or you were done with this issue. But just in case you were, if you were done, what did you what did you think of Larflees as a plot device in this issue? Do you think using him made sense, or do you think it was it was it was we have nothing better to throw at you right now, and we'll we'll throw throw out throw out something we know is kind of a threat, and people will know, and it's at the same time pushing his book, or do you think it really served a it makes it made a lot of sense? I th- I think you hit the nail right on the head when you said make him more of a threat. Um, I think that the way that Larflees has been handled recently, and I'm not saying that Jeff has done a bad job, but the way that Larflees has been handled lately makes him... He's been used to the point where he's too much of a comedic character. Like, he's it's okay to, you know to have a comedic character and use him as such. But when you use him like that all the time, it takes away the the, the danger and threat that this dude poses. Because you're just like, oh, it's just Larflees. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm not saying he wasn't very threatening in New Guardians up until, you know, issue 20. Because, you know, he did do stuff here and there. But you never, you don't... Something happened along the way and you never really took Larflees seriously. When you first see him in this issue, he's looks vicious. Claws ready to tear someone to th- someone's throat open. And he's got an entire core at his back. Which you guys have to remember, and I've said this over and over and over again in the past... Larflees embodies the entire power of a, of a single lantern core. It's it's not like, you know, one one lantern has a ring and another lantern has a ring. There's one ring, one battery, and all of the power is in this one dude. 
Yep. I don't care. I don't care what the power is run on. Will, rage, hope, love, whatever. When you put that much power in one person and make them into a some sort of a threat, you need to take them seriously. Uh, so, and I'm not saying that he he can never be a, a comedic character again after this, but I think they chose a good point to bring him in. I think it was a little too soon, maybe. Um, but it makes sense. Ola is vulnerable. Larflees knows it. I don't see why you wouldn't bring him in. I, ca- I can't think of a good reason why not. Uh, and, you know, it gives them excuse to an excuse to have this issue going gun- guns blazing. So so why not? Um, now, we skipped over something I wanted to I wanted, I wanted to bring up. Okay. What did you what did you think in in the uh, in how releases the rings? What did you think of that interaction between Hal and Killawald? Well, from the point of view that they're that they're not seeing eye to eye, or just from well, more of what did it remind you of? Probably visually, at, at least, it reminded me of right in the beginning of the the Green Lantern series after Rebirth, when the when the when the Guardians first started making rings again and sending them out to find recruits. Okay, I mean uh, personality-wise, the way they interacted together. Oh, um, I'm thinking the animated series. I yeah, mean, I mean, I, I and there's a there's a certain dynamic that you can make a case as being set in set in motion because Kilowog and Hal pretty much are the you know are the are the buddy buddies in in the dynamic that's been certainly that's being established now in the with the new with the new writing. The new creative team that that seems to be the if Hal is going to be partnered with somebody more times than not it's going to be Kilowog. Uh, so I so I could see that visually it, visually it just reminded me of when Hal first went to Owa right after Rebirth right when the, the right when he first found out the Guardians were all back and they were sending rings out to find recruits. Um, but yeah, there's a and and I they think I think they go out of the, not. I don't know if it's going out of the way, but by the time you read the first few issues, it becomes pretty clear that they're also setting up a dynamic where, you know, Kilowog and Hal aren't really seeing eye to eye on on everything. That, you know, Hal's being Hal's being drawn or being portrayed as this, you know, the typical, you know, leap leap before you look kind of guy, and Kilowog's trying to like rein him in a little, thinking about, you know, maybe you should think about this. What about that? And which will, which raises other points that, and maybe we'll get to it by the time we get through the third issue here, or we'll even we could possibly wait and revisit it once we get through Lights Out too. But it's how it's how Hal is being portrayed, and the question is whether there's a real means to an end in them doing it that way, like they're gonna, or whether they're just they're just gonna continually do this, and this is gonna be how they show Hal over and over again, and, and it's not like there's a real point to it other than saying this is who he is. I mean, there's no if there's which is, I think, a lot of people will have issues with. If there's no change involved, if it's not being done for a greater good down the road, then I think a lot of people are going to have issues with the way they're portraying Hal. If that's, if it just doesn't ever change. But yeah. Um. And guys, just FYI, we know that there is a uh, there. There's issues throughout this uh, book with the power, with the ring sparking out, and stuff like that and Lark please freaking out about how green can affect orange we know that well 
Um, we're just not commenting on it because we obviously know it's going to play into Lights Out. I haven't even read all the issues, and I know it's going to play into Lights Out. Um, so we'll get to it when we get there. <laughs> um, one other thing I wanted to, to mention, other than the fact that they couldn't have picked more non-threatening-looking recruits. <laughs> <laughs> which, which was the point. Yeah, when they, show, when they show up at the end, it's like, oh, my God. Don't they look like kids, though? Yes, and they kind of in in issue twenty two they kind of touch upon that. I think it's twenty two, yeah. maybe it's twenty three, that they touch they touch upon the fact that they look like kids, even though like one of them's like really really old. He just that's just his height and everything else. But yeah, right. they, they do compare certainly compared to Hal and Kilowog and everybody else. They're just physically small, which also raises the uh, you know the ante as far as them looking like oh my god, what the hell did the rings dra- you know what did the cat dragon you know yeah. And, and one last thing I wanted to bring up before we move on to the the, the, the last last page there, that panel where Hal is, is saying "get off," the the one where he says "get." With Did Laura, that? With Laura, was that the one with Laura Fleece? No, no, no. Which page? Just tell me where you are because I closed I closed it. Now we're opening it again. Um, oh, I got it! Laura, I got it! I got it! I got it! Okay. <laughs> you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of Hellboy Two. When those little pixie tooth fairy things, yeah, we're all, we're all swarming around, right? Like, remember I said Larflees can be both comedic and threatening, right? This is the comedy right here. How like all of these giant threatening orange lantern constructs, and how being swarmed with a bunch of tiny ones. That is true. <laughs> and then he just skewers them. <laughs> I just I I thought that was just a brief moment of ah, I I got it I saw what you guys did there. <laughs> <laughs> now did your comics I have the digital did yours have the the future of Green Lantern is heating up? Yes. With Relic, okay. So we know that what the bottom right corner is because of uh, issue three, uh, and obviously the White Lantern the, the entity is going to be showing up in uh, I'm guessing New Guardians. Um, since Kyle is the wielder of the white power. And then there's Mogo in the top, and I only have one question. In between Mogo and the new Star Sapphire, is that the source wall? Yes. Okay, so there's the source wall will come into play at some point. All right. Yep. All right, because it's been a long, long time since I've heard anything about the source wall in comics. Oh, you know, the comics I read. Okay, I was just curious. <laughs> All right, any other comments on this issue? No, I think I think we pretty much covered all the all the in a major points of this issue. Certainly, in as a standalone, let alone without you know putting it together with you know the next, but the next part in issue twenty three. That I think we covered everything of relevance in twenty one. Right. Now there we there is the uh, channel fifty two stuff. Honestly, guys, I don't give a crap about the channel fifty two stuff. Even when right here in this issue, it's all about Green Lantern. It's just teaser stuff. I don't care about Channel 52 at all. I wish they'd get rid of it and just give us more pages of story. So, In the big picture, I would agree with you. I, I would say this one is a little less craptastic than usual because it is all about the cores and it's related to Relic. So it's actually relevant to the Green Lantern title that we're reading. But for the most part, yeah, it, it's, a, it's, a waste, it's a waste of space. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so uh, next up we're going to do uh, Green Lantern 22, and I guess that's uh, – uh, I'm up. Um, this uh, issue is, again, same creative team. 
We've got uh, Robert Venditti on writing chores, Billy Tan on art, uh, and I'm guessing Robert and John Seibel on inks? Correct. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. And colorist is Alex Sinclair and Tony Avina. Uh, so same team there on the colors. Um, this is uh, New Recruits Larflees craves them. Craves them. Um, we uh, open the issue right back into things, the the thick of things. The uh, the uh, Orange Lantern constructs have uh, recognized the, the the new lanterns and are going after them. Hal cages them up uh, and uh, you know takes a a shark, big old shark bite out of one of them. Um, he tells them basically, use your rings or get out of the way. Gives him a quick crash course, and one of them punches Hal on the back of the head. <laughs> um, so is it's they're just kind of going back and forth. Uh, it's it's still continuing the fight. Nothing new. Um, then Saint Walker and a Star Sapphire show up. And Larflees turns around, and that's a pretty cool-looking panel. Um, Larflees turns around and says, Blue and Violet too. so many goodies I want. So he's he's not threatened at all. He's just like, awesome, more for me. Um, so what St. Walker do, does is he goes into his little med- meditative pose and starts charging up all the lanterns in the immediate area. They start, all right, cool, let's take out the orange lanterns, and suddenly fizzle crack. <laughs> and all the power goes out, not just with Larflees, but St. Walker uh, and everybody else, too. Um, Hal's about to arrest uh, arrest Larflees, and he can't because his ring won't let him, and all of a sudden, flash, all the, uh, all the lights come back on, so to speak. Everybody's got their power back, and uh, the... The uh, Orange Lanterns suddenly show up, grab the uh, Star Sapphire, and tear her apart. Um, I'm thinking tear her apart, because it looks like they some grab her arms, and some grab her legs, and all you see is this bloody shresh sound effect, so I'm guessing they tore her in half. Um, then we cut back to the science cells, where Cossite, Cosit, whatever, is standing guard... Um, over uh, Noel Ange, and uh, she says, you know, we can leave together in the confusion. It'll cover our escape. Then the the power ring that just uh, came, flew off of the deceased Star Sapphire dubs her worthy and says, uh, you are capable of giving great love. Welcome to the Star Sapphires. He's like, awesome, you're a queen, and, uh, and everything. And she approaches him and then kills him. He, it was she loved him and she does not love him she loves her clan um, and she's uh, going to go return to them then the uh, we cut back to the all, the all the fighting the recruits are getting into the swing of things they're taking out Larflees, and then Hal has an idea since Kilowog uh, down back to his post and has him release all of the impounded spaceships uh, and uh, it happens to be that uh, the new Star Sapphire, Nolange, is down there uh, with him lo- looking up. Larflees is like, hey, they're running away with all my stuff because Hal and, uh, and Kilowog have this conversation that Larflees overhears, which you know Hal knew, um, telling him all the treasures on the ship, so on and so forth. So Hal 
uh, or Larfleet says chase after the ships and keep sacking the planet, and the constructs don't know what to do and start ripping apart. While they're confused, the Green Lantern Corps and St. Walker swing into action and start uh, tearing people new ones uh, and taking out the constructs and send Larfleet on the run. Uh, and then uh, as Larfleet uh, flies away, they realize that uh, the uh, the, the um, Star Sapphire is dead. They mourn over her a little bit. Uh, and then they realize that Cossite is dead too. And then that there has been an escape from the science cells. And Nolange is obviously uh, on the run. She's taken one of the ships and is taking it to the Outer Territory. And next, Hal goes solo. <laughs> Now, I have one question that I have to get off my chest right now because I never named her. This star sapphire, this isn't fatality, right? No, but it, but it sure as hell looked like her when you first see her. Yeah, she looks a lot like uh, fatality. And, I mean, she she's a dark-skinned woman. She's beautiful. She's alongside of St. Walker when she shows up. I, and they never name her. Nope. So So, like... You're thinking the entire time that she's dead, but I was just like, wait, what? Like, they just kill her right off the bat? How is that even happening? And plus, if you, look, if you look at the end of the issue, she doesn't look nearly as dark Mm-mm. either when, no. Hal, when Hal's cradling her head because uh, obviously the upper part of her body is still intact. We don't know if her, I guess we don't know. I guess we don't know if her legs are still intact, but the rest of her, at least, you know, from the, from the crotch up, looks like it wasn't ripped off anyway. But uh, <laughs> from the crotch, from up, the huh? crotch up, that's the way they drew her. Uh, <laughs> that she certainly looks a lot lighter skinned than she did when she first showed up. Because yeah, she definitely looks more like definitely. That's I thought it was fatality too when I uh, first read the issue, but then it didn't make any sense. So now I agree with Jim from a while back that you know uh, that the uh, the Star Sapphire uniforms were okay the way they are and everything. But I welcome the change because I understood why it needed, like, you know, why did they have to be slutty? It it didn't have to be. But I'm going to go ahead and be a total male pig right now and say, you know, I wouldn't have minded if they waited to change the the Star Sapphire outfit style until after Nolange got her ring. (laughs) (laughs) Because she's pretty hot. (laughs) I'm just being real. (laughs) But, you know, I wanted to get that out of the way right now. I completely understand. Let it loose. Let it loose, Chad. <laughs> get it out of this, get it out of your system now. Uh, it's awful. That sounds terrible. Um, <laughs> now, there are some great uh, this, some great bits of art in here. When uh, when Larflees and Saint Walker show, I mean, when uh, the stars and Saint Walker show up, like I said, that panel Larflees looking over his shoulder, that looks cool. Uh, I've always said that I liked uh, Larfleeze when he has like the elongated, you know, dog-like kind of snout, right? Rather than the flat face that Monkey used to draw him with. Yep. Um, so I like that. I like the little bits of comedy, like uh, if when you see that Hal is pointing his ring at uh, Larfleeze about to arrest him, Larfleeze, you know, peeks through his eyes. You know, will there be space for all my stuff in the science cells? That kind of a thing. Um. When the uh, when the uh, Star Sapphire ring is scanning for a replacement sentient, if you look, that's <laughs> just the funniest looking orange lantern construct I've ever seen. That's on the on the left corner of that <laughs> of that panel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's 
<laughs> it looks like a, a frog a toad or something. Yeah, it's a frog. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that was. That was just hilarious looking. Um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of funny. Uh, now when, when Nolange gets her ring and you see, uh, uh, Cossite saying you're a queen and a star sapphire. Look at that little alien in the science cell. Oh yeah. What the hell is he's got one big blue eye and his tongue sticking out and he looks like Slimer somehow. <laughs> it's like it's Slimer and Mike Wazowski's love child. <laughs> it just looks ridiculous. Um and, and I don't know, there's there's a couple other bits uh here and there, I think. Um Larflees, when he's saying chase after the ships and keep sacking the planet. And I just like the way Larflees looks. The the shading on him, the colors, like, just light up on him. I, they're just cool looking. That's all. Um, so, yeah, there was, there was a little bit of uh, comedy, but you just had to look for it. It wasn't so much uh, right on the nose as it was just kind of in the background. I'm, I'm glad that they're remembering that Larflees has a comedic side and there should be something funny in there uh, every now and then. Um, but, yeah. That's that. Now, what did you think about this issue? I think when you look at kind of something we just touched, we just talked about not that long ago, related to Carol, and you know whether that was you know kind of that that plot point, whether it's just being forced in, or whether you know whether it really is a good idea, whether it's really necessary to have been handled the way it was, or do they they need to get from point A to B, and that's why they're doing it. Same thing with the, they bring in this generic sapphire. We don't know who the hell she is. Nobody knows who she is. She's there for you know for for a few panels, and basically she's there to die on purpose just to get Nolange a ring. And I guess that serves you know it's a plot point. It's you know it 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 works. It just I don't know. It just, it seemed a little forced. I did find it interest. I did like the fact that in the science cells that when one of the things that when that I, I, you may have mentioned, but I wasn't sure that that the Sapphire Ring's only able to get to her because she convinces Kosite to lower the shields to open the open the cell. That the mm-hmm. ring can't get wasn't able to get to her until otherwise. So she basically pulls a nice con job on him about you know, you know this, this there can be no more barriers between us and all this stuff just so he can lower it. And so she can become a sapphire. Then as soon as she does, like two seconds later, you know, she spears him. So that was that was clever on her part, and and it, and it gives you a more of a, a complete glimpse of what her personality type is going to be. Because we obviously we're going to see more of her, not just next issue, but in in uh, after lights out, she's still there. And the other thing that was interesting, again, and and here's the other thing related to related to, you know maybe beating the horse to death. The idea that the Sapphire is there, not just to get an orange ring, but to die in front of Hal. So Hal can think of Carol. And then, then Hal makes that comment, like Carol and me are on the outs. All I have now is the core. So kind of the re, you know, kind of reinforce the point that, yeah, like you mentioned that he's not going to be going back to earth probably anytime soon. That the, all he cares about now is the core, which also arguably can lead to him, approaching things in a different way than maybe he normally would if he was more grounded because maybe he becomes more obsessive in the way he's going to do things since he's not since that's his entire focus he's got nothing else but 
those those were those were my those are my initial thoughts on uh, or my additional thoughts on this issue. Plus the fact it's good to see always good to see Saint Walker again and doing did something. He, did he look a little weird to you? I know you're a big fan of Saint Walker. Did he look a little odd to you? Yeah, he's um uh especially I think the the way he first appears his t- the tail his you know his tail his head tail looked a little odd. Um I, something about his body type in that first panel looks a little odd too. When he's in he his looks, minute, he looks really human. Yeah, you know, he, he's isn't Saint Saint Walker like kind of lanky a little bit. Yes, that's. I was almost going to mention that too. If, that he and that the reason why I didn't was because when he's in the minute when he's in his meditation pose that he doesn't look as bulky. But to me, mm-hmm. he did look he did look bulky in that first in that first panel, and that's so that's that's a little not you know that's. We certainly have seen Saint Walker drawn worse. Let's put it that way. So, but, but it was good to see him show up. You yeah. know, one of one of the cool things, and I I, I didn't mention it in the first issue because I wanted to mention it here. Uh, when the power goes out and Larfley's head is smoking, that's because he's taken somehow to having like fire coming off the top of his head. Yes. I think that I'm, I'm a big Firestorm fan. I just think it looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then there used to be like a gag, especially early on in Firestorm's career, where, um, you know, someone would throw water in his head and he'd just kind of go out. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of fun. Um, now, one other thing I wanted to mention before we move on to the other one, unless there's something else you wanted to get to, um, was what did you think of the little... Um, uh, lettering uh, indicators whenever a, a new character showed up. So, you know, Blue Lantern, Hope, Star Sapphire, Love. They used to, they started doing that a little bit here and there during uh, Brightest Day. I remember we, uh, when we were doing reviews on that, they, we made comments about it. But it wasn't in the first issue, but they chose this issue to do it. So, you know, Orange, Orange, uh, Agent Orange, Avarice, you know, Green Lantern, Will, and then Star Sapphire and and, uh, and uh, Saint Walker show up. Blue Lantern, Hope, Star Sapphire, Love. Like, I don't mind it, but I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily know if it's necessary. I mean, because you, you you would like to think, for the most part, that people who are reading these books at this point understand, you know, the the emotional spectrum. And if you don't, then um. I mean, you can't. I mean, it's a, it's, I guess it's a catch twenty-two. I mean, you don't want to make it difficult for new people to read the book, but you can't approach. I think every issue as if if it's a you know a, a natural jumping-on point too. Um, well, well, you got to remember, Jeff has had the reins of Green Lantern since uh, since uh, two thousand and five, basically. So, two thousand five, two thousand six uh, era. So, if anybody is gonna if there was ever a time to jump onto Green Lantern, because there are people out there who aren't fans of Jeff Johns. This is true. Why wouldn't you do start doing this kind of thing to introduce these characters? You know, because you know the Blue Lantern Corps, Orange Lantern Corps, all of these other cores didn't exist before Jeff. True. I mean, you had you had Yellows and Star Sapphires, but it didn't necessarily mean uh, uh, fear and love. And yes, they've been in other big books, like you know, Blackest Night was a huge crossover. A lot of people read. But still, at the same time, not everybody loves Jeff. So maybe people haven't been reading Green Lantern for a long time. My my problem is 
why now? Why not start it in issue 21 when um, you introduce, you know, the Green Lanterns and, you know, when Agent Orange shows up, then do that. And then when uh, St. Walker and Star Sapphire show up, then do it for them. Why wouldn't you That's start true. with issue 21 and then suddenly start doing it now? Yeah, I agree. That's uh, That doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. I don't really have any like like I said I don't really have an issue with them doing it I mean I I, I don't necessarily like I said I just don't know if it's going to be necessary to do it like every issue if, if that's what they're planning on doing you know planning going forward and at least when at least in issues where there's going to be multiple colored cores that that they you know they they feel the need to um, do it. it 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 would it did seem it did kind of seem odd but um. Yeah, it would be it'd be curious to know if there was a real rationale for why they just why they did it in that issue, but seemingly didn't do it like kind of like wrapped around it, you know, in other issues. But. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um. So next, how goes Solo? So why don't you take uh, number twenty-three? Green Lantern number twenty-three. Again, Robert Venditti and Billy Tanner, the writer and artist, respectively. Rob Hunter is the anchor. Uh, the title is features Hal fighting Noel Ange as a star sapphire, and it says, without a ring, without a chance. So issue 23 begins in the aftermath of Larflees' attack on Oa. Hal inspects the four raw recruits that, he, that we've met over the last couple of issues. Hal's pretty disgruntled with them, and he just wants to send them back. But... You know, Kilowatt kind of talks him out of it and points out the v- incredibly valid point that the rings are programmed to find the best recruit for each sector. So if you send these guys back, you're basically going to be taking second best. And, you know, so you might as well keep the best, even though they don't look like much. You know, he's he's in some we get some of the names of some of the newer lanterns. We get Gazzy, who was, was the one who punched Hal in the back of the head, I believe. And Hal has to teach him how to form a proper fist since he would tuck his thumb in. And we meet the female lantern, which I believe is the tentacled one, which you mentioned before. And she has, her name is basically numbers, 2681795. Otherwise, from here on out, known as 26 for short, is how we'll say. Hmm. Um, the intros are kind of cut short because Sorenak has need of Hal. And Hal goes to see Sorenak, and they find another Green Lantern that died. And this Green Lantern died so suddenly that nobody knew who the hell he was. And the fact that he, he comes from a a species in a that has so many 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 members that the odds of ever coming up on identification is just seems all all but impossible. And the fact that there's a, this dead lantern that Hal you know that can't be identified, kind of nameless, died in the cause, but that nobody knows that you can even honor him properly, and this just really upsets Hal. It angers him, it depresses him, and he kind of just. He kind of just hightails it out of there. He just needs to be by himself for a while. Uh, we switch to the command center where Kilowog is trying to do his new job. Also in a moment of humor while doing his job while trying to fit in a chair size for Salak. Now, <laughs> so you got this big guy in a little chair. Uh, <laughs> Hal arrives to ask um, what they know about the escaped prisoner. Um, and she, while she was never formally charged, Noel Ange, or Prixium Noel Ange, which I assume is her title and her name, she was suspected of numerous crimes, you know, smuggling, extortion, <laughs> Grand Theft Starship, which I loved. 
uh, assault with an energy weapon, yada, 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 yada. So Hal decides to pursue Noah Ange for killing Kosite, and he wants to do it alone. Again, despite all the logical reasons that Kellogg throws up that it presents to Hal, that's not why you should do this. You should, you know, you shouldn't go alone. Including the most, probably the most important one right now is that we don't know why our rings just crapped out on us fighting Lorfly. So, do you really think it's a good idea to be flying off by yourself? You know, into a strange, potentially a dangerous and strange sector on your own. But you know, Hal is Hal, and he kind of does it anyway. So we switch to Sector 0563, which is where Noange was from. And in a nice touch, they tell us that there are, that we this this is taking place now on a planet unworthy of a name, which was kind of a nice touch. <laughs> Noah Ange is reunited with three male members of her clan, who basically have been forced to live off their their own cash, their or own cachet, if you prefer, because their smuggling and stealing enterprises used to be really good, but everything's pretty much dried up in that part of the sector. Everyone has moved inverse, as the quote was. But Noange vows to put things back the way they used to be. That she's the this is her section and her sector, excuse me, her, and this is her area, and she's going to do what she needs to do to set things right. Hal arrives to find the ship that Noange had kind of stowed away or stolen. He tries to open the ship, but he can't because there's a <laughs> the code she put on it is so like literally airtight that it would take like. It would take so long for the ring to figure out the, the code for it. It wasn't even worth it. So Hal kind of Hal attempts to smash it open to begin with because that's more his style. And he, in the process, he finds Noah Ange and the members of her clan. He pretty much takes takes out the three guys, one, two, three, but he has no such luck with her. He kind of is reminded of Carol when he sees Noah Ange in her sapphire gear, so that makes him vulnerable. So she kind of plays some head games with him, and then she uses her star sapphire powers to create a tether between him and Carol. And you get to see Hal gets to see what Carol is up to and what Carol sees. And you get, and at that moment we get a splash page in which you kind of get the first look again, in what a first full look at Relic, who is attacking the Blue Lanterns and their power battery. Uh, you see Carol, who is with Kyle. He's in space, and they're both in space. And the tether ends when both Noah Ange and Hal's rings malfunction and lose power. The atmosphere on this planet is completely toxic to everybody. So when she passes, when they both lose their rings, they begin to pass out. Noah Ange is rescued by her people, so they kind of give her a respirator so she can breathe. Hal quickly loses consciousness because he can't breathe without his ring, and he kind of is only able to survive because the ring stays offline for only about 24 seconds. Hal... Once he his ring fires back up again, Hal immediately tries to locate Carol, Kyle, and the Guardians in that order, but his ring can't locate any of them. He flies off, forgetting about what his mission was at the time. Uh, her clan members wanted to go after Hal, but Noah Ange tells them not to, that Hal and the others will, all the others will soon come to them, and when they do, she will be waiting. And that essentially ends issue 23. Epic. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to bring up a very important point. I think we get a retcon of the ring's powers. Kind of. Um, when, at the very last page, 
Hal is saying, uh, locate Carol Ferris of Earth. Carol Ferris not detected. Find Lantern Rainer. Find the Guardians. Carol Ferris is a Star Sapphire. Lantern Rainer is a White Lantern. Now, probably still has the Green Lantern Ring or whatever. My point being, those are two colors that are not green and should not be, uh, and are, are, are uh, obviously accessible. You know, you can tap into it and locate rings of other powers. And yet, they can't figure out who this new lantern is who died. I've, I think that the, the, I've always been under the impression that the rings act as a recording device. Kind of. Uh, kind of, kind of that, kind of like, uh, this is, this is going to sound uh, like a bad, uh, a, a bad analogy since this technology doesn't technically exist really, but let's say you've got a computer tower and connected to this computer tower are 16 different touch screens all mounted in a circle around it, but all connected to this computer tower. You use these touchscreens to access the information in the tower. Now make that 3,600 touchscreens, or 7,200 uh, touchscreens, and turn the touchscreens into rings, and make the tower OA slash central power battery. I thought all of the data that the rings use comes from OA, the central power battery. Why is it the information the ring can access would only be information the ring itself knows, and like you can't access information from another ring. Hmm. Because obviously this ring showed up. Because this this isn't just a Green Lantern who died. This is one of the new recruits who showed up right. when Hal launched the rings. When a ring shows up, what does it do? It says your name. It says you're worthy. It inducts you to the core and trans transports you to Oa for training. That's information. Why wouldn't that information be able to be accessed by Hal's ring? Or anyone's ring? You don't have to know what sector he's from. Yeah, I, I would say you're probably correct that at the very least that the information should that the information should be able to be tapped into at some point, even even if it's not immediate, because you were correct. All the all the all the data, all the knowledge of the in, that the individual rings pick up along the way, obviously, should be passed on to the to the central power battery and everything else. So yes, I don't. I think. I think realistically speaking, that they should be able to, over time, find out who he is. Uh, I I don't necessarily know if. They were, we were supposed to take – I mean I'm, I also kind of described it as such. I don't know if I, but that was really accurate. That I don't know if we're supposed to really believe that there's no way on, like, you know, if we're, they would ever find out who this guy is. It's just a fact that it's very, very difficult because there's, you know, there's just 200 billion, 200 billion people and, 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 his, and his race is spread across uh, 17, <laughs> 17 worlds and like four sectors. So depending on how many rings went in, you know, if – if a ring went into each one of these four sectors and there's so many of, of his race in each one of these sectors that – but I agree with you. There's something that certainly should be able to be accessed at some point. They should know, be able to find out who he is. And as and far – go ahead. If, 
Go, I'm sorry. I, I didn't. I didn't know you were. No, go ahead. no it, was, it was. It was related to these the uh, searching for uh, the ring search feature thing that you mentioned at the end of the issue. So we can we can go back to that after you, we finish this point. It, this t- it ties it's it's it ties into what you're talking about plot devices earlier with the star sapphire showing up just to die and Carol's thing or in the first issue we, you know we have to s- basically the writers know the game they want to play and need to put the 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 characters into place and move them into the position they need to be and they have to make certain moves to be able to do that. I've never played chess, but it's, I think that's chess. <laughs> <laughs> now, this seems like kind of the same thing. This lantern dies. Nobody knows his name. That causes Hal to go off by himself. But if if it was just a new recruit who died, why would Hal be that upset about it? I mean, he would obviously be upset. That, that That's fine. But this kind of thing happens and has happened before. Now, maybe the difference would be that Hal was not in charge of the core when this happens, when this used to happen. But the plot device is not only does this, you know, Greenhorn, uh, Green Lantern show up and die right away, and it's on Hal, but nobody even knows his name so they can give him the, the, do, do the respectable thing and send him home to his family and everything. So I get why they did it, but... At the sake of, at the expense of telling us something that doesn't really jive with what we know about the rings, I don't know. I'm not saying like I'm up in arms about it, and like it's a big super deal to me, but it, it doesn't jive with what I know about the power rings and what they're capable of doing. I, th- I mean, I I think that probably well, Hal. I think why Hal is uh, reacting is pretty much because he is in charge now. I think that is that's the difference. It's the fact that it was his it was his decision to send the rings out when he did. So all the recruits were brought back you know, by luck of the draw, you know, or not luck of the draw, as we know. Everything kind of is a plot point, and certainly that the the recruits were all brought back at the worst possible time, and it was all, and it essentially because of Hal's decision. If he waited a little bit longer, then they would have arrived after the whole Orfleet thing had ended. Uh, so he is that I think so that's frustrating him I think it's, and then it's just the fact that that this guy came and went so quick and nobody talked to him nobody knew his name nobody knew who he was and you know he's he died boom 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 so his ring shot off it went off to find another replacement so even if you're even if you want to buy that's going to take a little that it, it will take some time for the central power battery to process you know the the AI to process all the information it got from that ring bearer who had the ring for like all of like five minutes that even that even if they were waiting for the ring for all the for a bunch of new rings to come back to see if they could you know track it down that way who the who the last user was i think it was just the whole situation that that frust, frustrated how so i that i think makes a little sense plus we have to we, we have to remember that he doesn't really he doesn't want this gig at all i mean this is it's kind of forced upon him he really has no choice but he really has no choice. Uh, he doesn't trust the Guardians to begin with, any Guardians, so, but he still has to take care of the core. Somebody has to take care of the core. So I think you combine all that, and I think that kind of explains a little bit of why Hal's doing what he's doing. I think they are, like we, like I kind of mentioned, whether this is a good – whether the impression they're, they're giving of Hal is, is a good one or not from a personality point of view. 
is I think uh, certainly it's going it's questionable certainly when when you read through all through Lights Out and even now in the first story arc after Lights Out whether like I mentioned whether this is going somewhere whether this is gonna there's gonna be kind of some epiphany or some change so we're gonna see well this is where Hal was when he started this role and this is how he be- changes at the end which I think would at least make some people happy or whether we're just gonna be like an endless we're just gonna have issue in issue 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 after issue of Hal just basically running off, leaping before he looks, making rash decisions which don't really work out, and him just coming coming across kind of looking like an ass. And I think a lot of people will have a problem with that if that tends if that's if there's no end game involved other than present base, beating you beating the same point to death every single month. So right, and and some people might say oh, this is something I thought that someone might say if they were to argue my point. Maybe the maybe the rings like erase their memory or something when they you know they you know they download the information erase their memory when they get a new recruit or something or maybe it takes a while for the information to transmit to the central power battery and be available. This is the most advanced tool on, in, in the cosmos apparently. It has to rely on a data connection and you know, some sort of DSL. <laughs> like, it takes forever <laughs> for that information to transmit. Dialogue. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, come on. That If anybody makes that argument, it's ridiculous. It, does, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, and, and before we move on from the scene, one, uh, two things I wanted to mention. One, uh, real quick, and it probably means nothing, but notice the sickbed that uh, the, all these lanterns are laying on? Kind of look like the sickbeds in the... Uh, in the bay of the ship in uh, 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 the animated series, the ones that would come out from the wall. That's true. Uh, and then also, what did you think of having Sora back? It's good. I mean, I like her. I don't know if they're going to do anything with her. I mean, that's that's and part of that is what when we get into core, I think I'll this some of these sentiments will come back. That part of the, I think core is a, for me. It's core is a tough book to really get into for me. It's just, I like John Stewart, but I don't find him all that interesting and compelling enough to want to read him all the time. And I think a lot of the other lanterns that we know who, who would at least make it more readable, um, that Sorenik would be one. Um, of course, Kilowogs in this book, so that takes away that, uh, that, I don't know. I just seem in Sorenik, if she was, I think she could have a higher profile, and I think it would help. I think she's a character that she has a lot of potential they haven't done with. And a completely unrelated note, and, and every time I think of Core, a Green, the Green Lantern Core, the book, I think of, you know, it still would be nice if sometime in this decade we, we see Sodom Yacht again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I believe, I think it was before, was it, wasn't it before New 52 that they supposedly had plans for Sodom Yacht? Or was there, or was there, it was I thought that's when they talked about the oh yeah you're gonna you're gonna see him again, or maybe it was right after New Fifty. There was something that changed. There were I mean maybe it was when Jeff Johns and the and this and the other creative team was the original creative teams were still on board that they kind of gave the impression that you're gonna that you know maybe like within a like within a year or something you would see Sodom Yacht back and then of course they changed teams and then who the hell knows. But I, but it'd be nice if we could find out what the hell ever happened to him. You know, he was a, I thought he was kind of a cool character, and now he's just nowhere. You know. Yeah. yeah. Now uh, you wanted to go to to the other part, so well, what, to to kind of get you there, I just wanted to correct something that you said real quick. 
when you you were talking about him busting down to to get in, he's busting down to get into the hidden airlock uh, in the side of the wall, not into the ship itself. Oh yeah, because he scans the ship and there's nothing in there, and then there's an airlock he detects in the wall next to him, and that's what he busts down. So I just wanted to get that out of the way real quick. Now, what were you gonna say about the uh, the rings detecting? Um, him trying to con- him trying to communicate with Kyle. That I mean, that would make sense. Kyle's, you know, Kyle still. I, at the very least, he's got strong ties to to the to the green. So I don't see why that would be that would be an issue. The Guardians too. There's no reason why they shouldn't be able to connect to the Guardians. Uh, I think the only reason, probably the only reason. It would might work with Carol's because of the tether, the emotional con- the emotional connection between the two of them. Um, but yes, I mean it's it's uh, if they were if they were going to establish that from here on out, pretty much you could try to communicate with. But I don't think it's the, I don't think it's the first time that we've ever seen um, lanterns try to communicate with other other lantern cores. It just it just so. Obviously, Kyle is different because he should be able to communicate with with anyone. But, but uh, yeah. So that there wasn't much to it there. Now, do you want to do? Do you want to uh, uh, say anything else about this issue before we uh, go into our break here? Uh, I'm pretty comfortable with what we did with these issues. Okay, done, well, then, I should say. So, if you are, we can move on. Well, right before we do, I have a question for you. A lot of people have said that Green Lantern is pretty lackluster um, compared to some other books. Uh, reading these three issues, I'm not saying I I don't see it, but maybe I'm missing uh, what people have a problem with. So, you tell me what, what's the what's the problem with these three books? Three issues. Now, would, maybe maybe the issue with the Green Lantern overall has more to do with the issues following this than these three. But just based on these three, what's the issue? Okay, so and I'm and I'm not going to take I'm not going to take the position that I agree with all these points, but I but I know these are what these are all points that I've heard. Some of which I see truth in more than others. But I would say that I I know some people don't like. Like I, which, like I mentioned, which is something I personally don't like, that seemingly the common the, – the trend or the pattern of how they're making Hal be. And, not, and, then, and if it doesn't go anywhere to, for a reason other than making him look bad, then I have a problem with that. And either way, even if that's their goal, it's still kind of hard to deal with sometimes in heavy doses. And you kind of get it in almost every issue that he's doing something wrong and he's, he's just not thinking. And this is why he shouldn't be core leader seems to be the underlying – uh, point of maybe of what they're doing or was it so it's a it's the representation of Hal it's the fact that the you know sho- shoehorning in I think so I think from a pacing point of view just the whole thing with Carol and Hal in the first issue seemed to kind of get the issue off to a kind of like a lackluster start and even moving beyond the oh it seemed incredibly forced the idea that oh this kind of was in a way, it was something we've seen before, too. It's not like we haven't seen them break up before. So it just seems like it's here we go all over again, too. Plus, it's not exactly an exciting way to start um, the current continuity of, of a new writing team. 
the Laura Flees thing, it, whether you know, whether it's to establish Laura Flees as a more of a dangerous and threatening character again, which would make sense, especially since for as long as it lasts anyway, he has his own book right now. So you would like to have Laura Flees be not just a comedic character, but have that kind of appeal that he probably did when they first brought him in, making him more Agent Orange than Laura Flees, which is kind of like, I think once they started making him Laura Flees is kind of where he started becoming more of a comedic character. When he still was dangerous and Agent Orange, that's when he seemed to be the threat. But just the you saying that seemed like it came out of nowhere. It was something that they just need. They needed something from point A to point B to have OA be threatened and this, that, and the other thing. So they used Laura Flees. Yes, because of his power and his greed that you could make a case that he's always one step away from doing something like this. But I think some people haven't had an issue with the timing of his, you know, and. That pretty much covers 21 and 22, since most of that is covered with fighting lore fleas. And it just seems, I think, and I think we kind of mentioned this before too, The part of the problem is you knew from the very beginning, even before you know we read the first issue of the new creative teams and all the books, where they, that they were, you know, that Relic was going to be this big villain that was going to be introduced. He was going to be a threat to all the cores. He was, he was going to have a tie to all the lanterns that ever have ever existed or used a power ring in some level, which, which they, they, I think uh, the way they did it wasn't what I expected. They kind of, it's kind of was a true statement that they're advertising, but not quite the way I think a lot of people may, or certainly not how I took it to be where they might go with it. Uh, but yet Relic, for the most part, through the first three months of, of the green, the actual Green Lantern flagship title is pretty much like he appears in like two pages you know, not in current continuity. One's a flash forward. One's something that's happening somewhere else in the universe. And all the major, so much of what happens in the whole lights out, other than you know the actual attack on Oa later on, that so much of it does not happen in the actual Green Lantern book. It just seems like it's kind of an odd choice to have this book be relatively have a lot of not overly important things seemingly happening in the first three issues of this book while there's a lot of important things happening, especially in, in New Guardians. So, um, See, I was thinking that people were having a problem being basically set up with no real plot development. Um, I'm not saying that there isn't plot development at all. I'm just saying that it doesn't feel like these three issues could be could be much. You know what I mean? Or, or, or that these three... It, in other words, I don't think it should take three issues to set up something. I don't think you have... You should... For anything, I don't think you should have to read three issues of setup without any sort of significant plot development. Yeah, there's, there's not a lot of... There's not a lot of payoff in this. Right. And, and even now, if... Go ahead. Go, no, no, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. Say what you're going to say, Chad. Uh, well, it's it's not just that. It's um, I mean, I I, I want to come out right at, right away, and I know I said it at the very beginning. I love the art. I cannot say that enough. Um, there are a couple of pages that look a little wonky in each issue, and I'm not since the inker and the artist are the same throughout this book. I'm thinking that one of the colorists did something. I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. I think the art is incredible. I think the colors, for the most part, on uh, the on, on the vast majority of the pages, really pop. Um, 
As a matter of fact, this colorist might be my second favorite now uh, on the pages that look good, second to Nii Rufino. I I know that's a bold claim, but I, I don't know. Something about the art, the, the colors really pop. I know it's a lantern book, so the colors are supposed to pop, but I, I don't know. I don't know if they're using gay's color palette or something, but they, they look awesome. Um, I cannot speak enough about how awesome the art is. Uh, and I think it's, I think the, I don't see anything in particular in the story that is awful, um, or badly written or anything. I just think that it's just, it's, it's taking a while to build up steam. Now I'm not saying that it's, uh, taking too long or anything, or I'm not saying there's something critical that should have been done different. I'm not a comic writer. So I don't know what's going on. I don't know what sort of editorial edicts are being placed on these people. I don't know. Um, or, or in this case, Robert Venditti. I don't know what's going on. So there could be a million different varying factors as to why it took three issues to get where we're going. Uh, it just feels like these are quick read issues. I agree. That's, that's the problem. That's my main complaint about these issues is they feel like quick read issues. I don't understand why everybody's so upset about this as, as one of the worst I've heard one of the worst books of the Four Lantern titles, um, but I don't see that personally at at this point. Now, again, as you guys, as I said earlier, I've only read the first three issues of this series here and the first three issues of New Guardians. Beyond that, I don't know. Maybe I'll change my opinion. Um, you know, so so I don't know. Uh, I, did, I just I, I had to ask you because I wasn't sure where all the hatred for this book that I have heard it was coming from because again I've only read these three issues and as far as I can see the problems I do have with these books wouldn't be enough for people to get all riled up about you know what I mean I I agree I think I think well I think you have to delve deeper into I think why. The, the, where where people were as a whole, man, as a whole, um, the readers at the end of Jeff Johns' run. I mean, you had a certain you had a certain percentage of people that just didn't like Jeff Johns, and maybe they never. And I I find it hard to believe they never liked Jeff Johns because I don't see why you'd be reading the book for like five five six seven years if you don't, if you didn't really like what he was doing. But there's a certain percentage of people who up towards the end of Jeff Johns' run. Whether they liked him in the beginning or not, they were completely anti Jeff Johns, uh, and that and for those people, those are the people that actually probably for the most part aren't so quick to rip these books to shreds, just because some people are literally just happy that Jeff Johns isn't writing the book anymore. I mean, I think that's crazy that that is your standard, but I think some people think like that. But there's, I think, a, a probably a much greater percentage of people that were still Jeff Johns fans but acknowledged like we we've talked about before on the show that he certainly didn't he wasn't going out on, on a high note based on his his you know his final couple of years at on the at the head of Green Lantern and people were ready for a change and people were kind of excited for a change it's like well you know Jeff did a lot of good things but we kind of need some new blood and i think maybe the problem is that like we like you mentioned that there's three that there's three issues they're relatively quick reads. There's not a lot that really happens in them, and that's kind of, and that's not exactly what people, were, you know, were hope were, were looking forward to or were hoping for. Even the people that wanted a new creative team were looking forward to a new creative team. They just were not. I think they wanted something a little more. And plus, a lot of 
and you also have to realize that even though I don't fall into that category, and I don't think you do either, that there are a bunch of people who are just really sick of all the other colored cores. Or at least want them to maybe just stick in one book, whether it's New Guardians or what. Just stick them in one book, and let's deal with let's deal with non-core related, not other Lantern Corps related topics or threats. Let Hal and the Green Lanterns deal with other stuff, not related to other cor- other Lantern Corps, things like that. And Lights Out, in a way, kind of played back into the kind of played back into that. That even though there wasn't a gi- you know a ginormous team up. With every single Lantern Corps this time, you still had a bunch of Lantern Corps involved, and then the threat wasn't a threat to all of them. And so you combine all those things. I could see why people are disgruntled. It's not – I don't hate the book. It's not my least favorite Green Lantern book that's being published right now. But I I make no bones about the fact that new, to me, New Guardians is the best of the four books. It's the most interesting of the four books, and even the first issue after Lights Out to me has been really interesting. I like the direction, what they're doing. I think overall, I mean, there's some character interaction that I'm not, especially with Carol and Kyle, that's kind of questionable, I think. But as overall, I think New Guardians is the most interesting, interesting book. And Green Lantern is not the worst, but it's not the most thrilling either. And for a book that is the flagship of a of a franchise right now of a family of books, you know, if Green Lantern was not as big as it was. And if the Green Lantern core title wasn't started, probably having, you know, Kyle and, and guy and these other, and a lot of the earth's Green Lanterns to, and tying it in so closely with Green Lantern when it first relaunched after rebirth and recharge that we wouldn't even have any kind of family of books. And for, and for the flagship title to be, to be relatively blah and something that, you go, you read. It's like okay, it's not bad. Could be a lot better. Could be worse, but okay, I'm ready to move on. And you don't really need to reread it. Like, it's not much that you need to go back and reread to remember. You know, the major events that happened to it. Even preparing for this, preparing for this uh, re- review, I did go back. I did reread them. I did take some notes. Made one mistake clearly, but for the most part, I remembered it. So, you know, how I remembered it was the way. I read it the first time, and there wasn't a whole lot. It wasn't like I went back and I said, "Oh, I missed that the first time," and that was really important. There's not I, at the moment anyway. There doesn't seem to be a lot of that in the first three issues of Green Lantern, and I think there's much more interesting uh, topics, issues, points, plot points, uh, just bits of information you get out of certainly out of New Guardians and probably even out of Core than you're getting out of Green Lantern right now, and that's. Not probably the certainly not in the best um, interest of the Green Lantern family of books long term. This book is the one that should be the best, and I don't think many people think it is. No, and um, I, the point you brought up about moving the uh, the other Lantern cores into another book it makes sense, but I don't think that's the right way to go. Now, I, obviously, I have no editorial edicts or anything like that. I have no say so. But if I were to do it, what I would do is not remove them completely from the books because I, I don't think that's the right way to go. And people who are thinking that, you know, email us or send us a voicemail or something, uh, lanterncast.gmail.com or 708lantern. Um, maybe maybe I'm wrong on this, but my thoughts are you've established this core of lanterns. Green Lantern is one of the biggest characters in the DC universe. I mean, regardless of how his book is selling, we're talking historically. 
I'm t- I'm, and, and, and again, not sales, but historically, it's Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, right after that, Green Lantern, Flash, you know, they're, they're the big ones when you name DC characters. Green Lantern's a part of that. When you have other lanterns, why wouldn't the main lanterns, Green Lanterns, interact with the other cores? I think they should reduce the amount of interactions and not make it once every story arc or something like that. I would say no story arcs at all for a while. Let's just have one-offs or two-issue or three-issue stories, not six- or seven-issue stories or crossovers, but obviously that's not the way DC is going, and I'm, you know, I'm not about to you know, drop this show or anything just because I'm pissed at what DC is doing with these Lantern books because there is stuff in there I like. So, okay, DC's probably going to do six, seven-issue story arcs and crossovers galore, and that's going to piss me off, but whatever. Just kind of take, I would say, rather than get rid of the, the other Lanterns from this book completely, kind of take a step back a little bit and reduce the amount that you use them. Not cycle through, and we'll do Orange Lanterns this story arc, Star Sapphires this story arc, Blue Lanterns this story arc. I'm talking... Any of the cores, just reduce it. Now, and it looks like they might be doing that because I've seen solicits, and it looks like in Green Lantern they're dealing with um, Durlins. That's that has nothing to do with other Lantern cores. True. So, so in, in, I mean, in core, right? Uh, I don't know. I've seen something about Durlins. I don't uh, and, and, and other aliens in the solicits. Um, I've actually got the newest, uh, the most recent issue of previews uh, on my couch over there. I haven't even through it yet. I just got it a few hours ago. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I would just say take a step back from the land. I, I, I honestly think, and again, if you people out there who believe that they should just get rid of a, the other cores from this particular title and put it completely in another title and never you know interact again, you know, write in, call in, leave, tell me why, because I, I don't understand, but I'd like to. Um, but but I honestly think they should just take a step back and just reduce it, not get rid of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think necessarily. I don't necessarily think that people, the majority. I don't, certainly don't think the majority of people want to see either all the colored cores wiped out or them just segregated to one book ever. I don't think mm-hmm. they necessarily. But I think exactly basically what I think they basically want what what you're suggesting suggesting a lot of people anyway i don't know if it's a majority or not it'd be curious to see if was the majority or not that they want while they because i think i think many people like the other lantern cores and they like seeing them they like the interaction with them but they don't want every single story arc to you know to be in to be a team up between green and sapphires and green and indigo or blue and green and yada yada uh I think, and I think that could be driving, and it could be almost like an emotional spectrum fatigue at this point, because we've because that was part of the because you have to also look at it. Part of the criticism for Je- the Jeff Johns run, or in the Jeff Johns run, was that the book for a long time wasn't really about Hal; that it was always about Hal, you know, the other cores and this, and it was going from one event to the other. And even though this book is clearly on the positive side, it's clearly been more in the first three issues it has been focused. Much more in how, but it's still, but the specter, no pun intended, of the other lantern cores are still all the way around, and 
And I'm okay. I'm personally okay with that. I just think there's a lot of people, many people that just see that as, oh, this is kind of like an ex- kind of an, ex- an extension of what we, of what they didn't like in Jeff in Jeff John's run. But I, I agree with you. I don't think just segregating them to one core. I mean, one issue is a good uh, one. Yeah, one title is a good idea, or the the great the best solution. And I and I also don't think that. They should just completely divorce themselves from using them whenever a good reason is to use them. But yes, they uh, taking a break would be a good idea. And plus, then then you then you still hear that they're talking about you know a Sinestro core, you know, uh, ongoing or whatever at some point. And who knows if that maybe that's not set in stone that that's going to happen and maybe depending on how the green lantern books sell and how Larflees does or maybe they figure that's going to replace Larflees cuz Larflees is only going to be they figured all along Larflees could only last for a small period of time i don't know but it makes you want i mean they just it just i don't know it just seems like it's a very interesting very pivotal maybe pivotal to figure out how you know where they're going to go with the the uh, emotional spectrum, and obviously, lights out factored into that too. We've seen, well, you will see, but you know, as far at, at the literal moment in time where we are, lights out is finished, so we know on that level how it's played out, and what the long-term ramifications of that are going to be related to the other cores too. So, I'll stop rambling now. Back to you, Chad. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, that's about it. So, that, that those are our thoughts on uh, Green Lantern. 21 through 23. So, listener feedback. I told you guys we'd be doing this, and even though the listener feedback isn't so much necessarily um, actually um, oriented towards listener feedback, like you guys knew it was going to be listener feedback, it's still something, and I wanted to, I wanted to hold up on my promise, and we're doing something. So, calm down. Um, <laughs> now, it's possible that next episode there won't be any or there'll be something small. I don't know. It depends on how you guys react on Facebook and Twitter. Obviously by the time we record next episode, this episode won't even have been up yet. Uh, so, uh, you know, just whatever. Um, we're actually going to start with Twitter because Mark's an old man and has never used Twitter in his entire life. Uh, and I'm very interested to see how this goes. (laughs) So using people's first name only, uh, what we're going to do is we're just going to, from the bottom uh, of the, the comment I, I, uh, uh, of the comment I gave you to the top, we'll just go up. And since I'm going to be the one usually running Twitter, I'll just, you know, let you know what's it about and all that stuff. So I'm only going to use the first, the first name even for Judd. <laughs> Cause that, that makes my question completely irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, for, for creators, you can use their names. Uh, I'm, I'm, I know that there's some podcasts out there who use first and last names. I don't think it's a big deal to use last names, but you never know who's got a problem with it. Um, so for creators, we'll use full names. For our listeners, we'll just use first names. Hopefully you guys know who you are. I had a question, but maybe I should just wing it. And if I have a problem, we can always edit out, edit something out if I screw it up. <laughs> That's no problem. Go ahead. Let's, 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 let's. Let's listen in, folks, as Mark tries his hand at Twitter for the first time. And it's nothing to do that I'm old. I just have no interest in – no. In, I mean, considering how, how I'm into – No, it's because you're old. <laughs> no, because I'm so into Facebook. Maybe that's part of the reason I don't want to get into Twitter because I know, A, it might be an addiction just like that, and B – or B, the fact that I just don't see the need to be able to update 
people on every friggin' thing you're doing every second, every single second, every single thought, considering half the time people end up apologizing for what they said five minutes later anyway. Um, all right. You have a show now, sir. You have to use Twitter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, so. These are from November 16th. That's pretty much from the starting point we're going to go with for this issue, for this episode anyway. And most of these are related to the five-year anniversary episode and our, the big announcement that Chad and I were being given the keys to the car. So we have Dwayne, who thanked us, who congratulated us and thanked us for five years of great podcasts, which, of course, I can't take any credit for. And I guess, Chad, you can try to take some credit for it anyway. <laughs> I can seize hold of a small fraction. That's of right, that. at least at least percentage-wise. Um, <laughs> well, Dwayne's pretty active on Twitter. Uh, we have certain listeners who are more active on our on one social media platform or another. Dwayne's one of our more frequenter, frequenter, more more, more frequent, frequent. <laughs> <laughs> more frequent, <laughs> more frequent uh, tweeters, uh, I guess. Uh, so yeah, uh, he's active on Facebook too. But for the most part, Twitter is is. Uh, is where Dwayne uh, interacts with us for the most part. So. So, we, so we have Alex, who left a few, and he was listening to episode 166 to catch up, and he said, Dan sounds like a munchkin. Weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, uh, that was the one where it was just me and Dan. Um, so something happened with, with Dan's mic, and I, I might as well address this here. Um, I know that we haven't gotten any emails, voicemails, uh, Facebook messages, or Twitter messages about this, but I know you guys know, and I know you've probably noticed and wanted to say something but didn't want to complain. I know the audio quality has been lacking for the past few episodes. Uh, I'm not sure if that's an issue with our, you know, Jim, Dan, myself, uh, our mics, I don't know if it's an issue with the uh, the Skype connection because, like I, I've said in the past, the more people you have on Skype, the worse the connection gets, um, especially when you're recording that conversation as well. So you've got not only a call going on with multiple people, you've also got call graph recording in the background. Um, so that kind of muddies things up. You know, when you're on a Wi-Fi connection, it's even worse. You know, so it, it, there's so many different factors that could possibly play into an audio quality issue. Sometimes, you know, it would stop and then speed up, and sometimes there would be a lot of static. Sometimes it would be crackly and spotty. Sometimes the, the pitches would go up and down. James was doing everything he could to make it sound okay, but honestly, there was, you know, whatever, what gets recorded is up to call graph. So with it just being Mark and me now, and, you know, maybe a special guest here and there, it's possible that hopefully the uh, audio quality of the show will be going up because there's just two of us on a call now um, and not, you know, more and more people. So hopefully that works out. If I sound any different, I want to let you guys know I can't find my mic. I don't know where the heck it is. I had a $70 Samson Go mic. I took it with me uh, to my mom's uh, for Thanksgiving because I was hoping to record a little bit of audio bumpers for another episode I'm working on right now. Um, yes, Green Lantern, Green Arrow number two is coming soon, or you, it's already out and you've already heard it. I don't know. Um, but I'm using a $20 replacement Dynex mic that looks weird. It looks like an antenna. I don't know. 
Anyways, um, so if I hopefully I sound okay. Uh, if not, hopefully I find my Samsung Go mic soon or can replace it with a better mic. I don't know. Um, but I just wanted to let you guys know that uh, we, I, at least I am aware that there has been an audio uh, quality issue. I know you guys have not complained about it. Thank you for not making that a big deal. But it is recognized, and we're working. So that was long winded, but I just no, it wasn't nicely get, done. Get, get that out there. Good job. <laughs> Alrighty, so let's go. Alex had another one. Uh, he says, listening to episode 166. Still uh, glad, glad to know I wasn't the only one that didn't know who Shadow was. I get a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, sh- Shadow and uh, Arrow. Uh, which is, uh, I don't want to spoil Arrow for anyone out of, like, you guys are listening to a, a Green Lantern podcast, I don't know if I want to just drop a spoiler for Arrow out there, but if you've seen Arrow, you know who Shadow is. <laughs> I had no idea who she was. <laughs> comic, <laughs> like, as far as, as far as comic books were concerned. Right. I'm refer- there's a whole crap ton of cool stuff happening in, in season two, by the way. I just caught up with episode eight of season two, the first episode with Barry Allen in it. I, I was, Holy crap! Uh, there are so many DC comic references in Arrow this season. It's it's insane. Uh, I don't I don't I don't even want to start. I, I could list them off all right now because I'm so excited. But I it's if you're not watching Arrow, watch it. It's currently one of my favorite shows right now, and I just finished watching the Walking Dead mid season finale the other day. So Arrow is still up there. It's so good. Um, if you guys watched it during the first season and didn't get into it because maybe it was too dark or something. It's getting better. It, there's a reason it was dark in the first season and a little lighter in the second. You just got to you gotta stick with it. If you don't have the time, fine, whatever. But Arrow is so good. Just watch it. <laughs> and this was not a paid announcement. <laughs> no. no I wish. <laughs> uh, so now we have a few tweets back and forth between... Phil and Scott Bear. Scott. Oops, I almost said the last name. Uh, and which basically they recite in the Green Lantern Oath. And brightest day and blackest night, let those who worship evil's might be our power, Green Lantern's light. Um, we. I, I, I was the one who said, let no evil escape our sight on Twitter. And then that just led to those two finishing out the oath. <laughs> yes, I did. I, ch- I, I did notice that when I looked at the view, the view of the conversation that, that uh, this is how these things... This is how these things start. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a cool little moment. I tried to get them to do the uh, Alan Scott oath, but I don't think they understood what I was doing. Yeah, I noticed that too. Because you're the one who started it, right? Are you the one who started? Yeah, it? yeah. I noticed that. I noticed that too. That. I don't think they realized what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alan, I've been reading some Alan Scott stuff lately, just because I, I felt like it's some old school stuff, and I saw the. I was like, I wonder if I can get. I wonder if they're true fans and can get the Alan Scott oath without having to do anything else. But apparently not. Well, some you know, Alan Scott. It's just a uh, not not everybody as is as schooled in the ways of Alan Scott as the core. I think so. That's part of. I think that factors into into it too. And I shall shed my light over dark evil. Yep. For dark, for dark, for, for dark evil cannot stand the light. The light of Green Lantern. It's, it's for dark evil, right? I, it's been changed a lot. Yeah. Like, cause you have, yeah. You, you have you have the original way it showed up in the 1940s, but it's it's gone through very subtle and minor differences, and whatever. Go moving on, moving. <laughs> so now we have our big big tweet of this time period from Judd Winnick, 
and related again to uh, this, I believe, was in related to the anniversary of Kyle, the, um, the 20th anniversary of Kyle Rayner, which we just had recently. That Judd writes, "I stand on the shoulder of giants." Uh, he thanks he thanks Ron Mars, and he thanks I assume real bankster is Daryl Banks, and more for making Kyle so awesome. Happy 20th, Kyle. So that right. was that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was cool to see. I was hoping we get like Ron Mars and everyone, uh, but Daryl Banks gave us a shout out on uh, on Facebook so about that. Yes, so. he did. Daryl Daryl's really cool. So then we can move up to we have a bunch from bunch from Dwayne again. Um, that I li- I listen at work, so I'll listen to it tomorrow, which I believe was the fifth anniversary show he was mm-hmm. referring to, and then he follows it up with. A little bummed out, but I completely understand. I've taken breaks from my shows because of burnout, and I'm nowhere close to five years. <laughs> um, he continues, next one, I'm glad the show is continuing on. I'm looking forward to the new show. So thank you, Dwayne. Chad and I both thank you there. Absolutely. Uh, um, I'm, I'm sure you will. I'm always available to fill a guest chair. Uh, that's Dwayne again. Uh, Scott. Great to hear you guys are refreshing the show. To be honest, I almost took it off my iTunes feed, and I'm a long-time listener, too. So I guess that gives Chad and I hope for, for the people that have been making it sound like they're going to jump ship. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not even going to bother with it. There's some people who seem to be pretty hateful about the uh, us two continuing on. I'm not even going to address it. Yeah, every, it honestly, it's a... And I, I, I had planned to make this whole spiel, but I'm just going to boil it down to two points. It's a free show. We do it of our own time. We don't get paid for it. And we do it with love for the character. If you don't like it, fine. No big deal. Move on. And I'm not, And the other point is, you know, Jim and Dan are awesome guys. They're friends of mine. If you listen to the Lantern Cast because you like Jim and Dan or you have a problem with me or with Mark and just don't want to listen because of that, that's fine. They've got the Sliders podcast. Jim and Dan are awesome guys. I'll support them no matter what they do. So if you're jumping ship for one reason or another, thanks for listening for as long as you did. Sorry we couldn't make you stick around. And uh, hopefully the, the people who continue to listen continue to listen and like what they hear. I'm not going to let it affect my day. Nicely put. I understand. Absolutely. I mean, and I'm, I'm sad that Dan and Jim are gone. I mean, it's, this is a, I mean, I'm happy to be here, but this is a completely, I mean, I certainly would never have suspected everything was going to play out the way it did over the last like couple of months. I mean, just kind of, so I was shocked as anybody when Jim and Dan were, you know, decided they were going to go. So, but it's not like, it's not like Chad and I either, you know, we pushed them out, and it's, or it's not like somebody else fired them and hired us to replace them. Mm-hmm. It's just, it was just kind of like a, pa- a passing of the torch, and it's not like they won't be back, and it's not like, it's not like we're not going to let them come close to the show ever again. It's ours. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, Larflees here when it comes to that. They're gonna, they're always welcome, and I'm sure they'll be on before you know it. So, yep. And our final, our final tweet. Again from Scott, and he goes, "What? I welcome the change. Your episode reviewing Jeff Johns' last issue number twenty was kind of lackluster, so I knew something was up, which is kind of an interesting point, only because I don't know if I, if I on a personal note, if I th- would say it was lackluster, but I kind of I remember just listening to episode twenty, and I was kind of thinking that there's a lot of in, there's a lot of points to a lot of things that happened in episode twenty that I'm kind of surprised weren't touched upon. So I guess I can understand where Scott was coming from about." You know, from 
uh, that perspective. Yeah. Yeah, and and to be honest, and I'm not saying that I'm lackluster as as uh, burnt out as Jim and Dan, but I won't I won't deny I won't lie and say I'm not a little burnt out. It's just it's just um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'll, I'll wait until I've more fully thought about where I'm at with Green Lantern. Because honestly, like I said earlier in this episode, I've only read six issues of this new run, so I I don't even know. Um, once I've read where and got caught up to where we need to be, I'll let you guys know where I'm at. But so I can better form my opinion. <laughs> um, over on Facebook, I'm taking Facebook here uh, in reference to the fifth anniversary. Andre said, "I'm saddened with Dan and Jim leaving, but Chad and Chad staying." <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm happy to hear Mark will be joining in. <laughs> so, Mark, you've got a new fan in Andre, <laughs> and uh, apparently I, you know, pissed in his Cheerios at some point in the past. I don't know. No, I think he was joking because uh, I don't I don't think we've ever had any sort of issues. Um, at, there's a little bit of jokes and ne- negativity. Some some in here. I kind of want to address this now rather than ending the episode with it. I know it's a little awkward to put this here rather than you know somewhere else in the episode, but like I said, I don't want to end the episode on this. Since Mark and I are, are in charge now and, and doing this thing um, and, and taking the reins, I know that we might, um, both of us will have more interaction with you guys on Facebook and Twitter. Um, I wanted to get something out there now I'm somewhat socially awkward um, for the, and this kind of plays into something Jim said a while back about uh, or in, in the fifth anniversary about being open about more than just Green Lantern and talking about your lives. For most of my life, I've been fairly shut down and reserved. Um, when I and, and this isn't this. I'm making a point here, so I'm not trying to do a pity me type of thing or, or anything, but for the most part, when I would, um, I would never, for just as, as, a, as one aspect that would probably, you know, lead you where I'm going, I would never approach girls, not because, um, you know, I, I thought they didn't, or, or whatever it may be. I never approached them because I thought automatically it doesn't matter anyway, one way or another, her answer is going to be no. No matter what, like, I, I don't care if I, you know, was at my ideal body weight or whatever, I would find something wrong with me and I would know instinctively that girl is going to say no and not even make a move because, or go up and even say anything to her because it doesn't matter what I say or do. Her answer is going to be no. I convince myself of that. Now, the reason I say that is because if you, you meet me in public, like I know Lance has seen me a couple of times. I kind of like, I'll talk to you and then I'll look away. And it's almost like, because I've seen other people do this. When other people do this, it, to me, it feels like, well, this person's not even really even interested in what I'm trying to say. And they're just trying to get somewhere else and like, okay, I'm done with you. I need to move on. I, I'm not really thinking that. I'm just, I have an issue with talking to people face to face and maintaining eye contact and not, you know, fidgeting or doing one thing or another, because I'm not used to that. So if you guys are ever interacting with me in a personal way, whether it be in person 
or my messages to you seem to just trail off or I say something weird, it's not because I don't like you guys or think uh, anything bad about you or anything like that. It's because I am still socially awkward. I, I'm, I'm okay. I, I'm better than I ever was before. I'm getting better at it. The show has helped me come out of my shell a little bit, that kind of a thing. But if there's ever any feeling with you guys that I'm acting weird or I'm not interested in what you're saying or don't care or anything like that, it's not – it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with me not being completely 100% comfortable in a social environment. Now, I'm not sure if listening to these episodes you guys can pick up on that from me. But honestly, I'm not, I don't even have to – <laughs> sorry, Mark, but I don't have to look at you. You know what I mean? I don't have to maintain. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have to maintain eye contact. I don't have to do anything. I just basically have to comment on various things, react to. You know, you, it doesn't matter if I start looking away or twiddling my thumbs or looking fidgety. No one can see me. I don't have to put on the show. All you hear is my voice. So I don't know. But I'm just saying, and I've been rambling, and I made the same point a couple of times. This is my change for the sake of change thing all over again. Um, long story short, I'm still a little bit socially awkward. So if you ever get a weird vibe off of me, it's not because I've got a problem with you. It's my own stuff I'm working on in my personal life. That's all. So I don't know why Andre's comment made me jump into that. Um, but, but whatever. (laughs) So, so that, that's, that's why, that's why I, I, uh, I wanted to say that because I obviously I didn't want to end that episode on the episode on that note. So, uh, and then after N- nicely done again, Chad. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you. You don't ha- you don't have to compliment me on every every compliment I make. You can say, "Hey, you're an ass" every now and then. <laughs> if, I, if that's how I feel and I feel the need, I will do that. But so far, you've been ass free, so that's good. <laughs> ass free, <awesome. laughs> an ass free zone for tonight. And then Dan commented on uh, Andre saying that uh, he he's uh, upset I'm staying. And then Lauren and Dan both joined in and making fun of me. And then Matthew said, uh, remember when you guys talked about Green Lantern? Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, um, that was a good one. That, that, was, that was a good one. What do you think now, Matt? <laughs> we, we had always planned to get into it. It's just that uh, episode 170, we had to get it out. I wanted to do something... That would help Mark cut his teeth a little bit. Toys is what Mark knows. That's his wheelhouse. So that's that was probably the best thing we could have done. Um, and since we'll probably be saying this elsewhere on social media and on the forums, uh, we'll make this episode the place where we can say this. Guys, the episode 170 is the stand-in for the gift-giving guide this year. Um, there are a couple of holiday-related things that the Lanterncast has always been doing that we might not get to. Mark and I are trying to get to as much of it as we can, but honestly, the holidays is a weird time for us to take the reins of this thing. There's a lot of uh, traditional lantern cast stuff that you know we've done during the holidays that we we I'm not saying we won't get to them because for all I know, Mark and I can jam a lot of stuff in and make time for it. But if we don't get to it, I'm sorry in advance, but this is a weird time to take the reins of this. Um, when people are complaining that we're not talking about Green Lantern or we want to catch up on all these issues, and then how do you record a bunch of episodes where you're catching up on all these issues and doing these other things? And why, if you've already recorded the uh, 
the episode 170 that we did about those toys. Why would you do a gift guy, giving guide when probably a lot of the stuff on those lists would end up in that episode? You know, that kind of a thing. So we're just trying to compartmentalize and get the hang of things. So forgive us. It's just a weird time for that to happen. Um, it's, it's certainly not intent because we, Chad and I have talked about it and we talked about it even before we did the last episode with uh, with our lists that um, the Christmas that the gift giving episode was something that we normally end up doing. The show ends up doing this month, but it just seemed like it almost would be like he mentioned, be too, a little too repetitive, especially when we're trying to at least focus, get the focus back on green lantern, at least until I mean, it's always going to be on green lantern and the the books primarily. But the point is we don't want to, we really don't want to think about veering too far away from that at all. Even for like one episode out of, let's say four, if until we're, until we're back up to back up to snuff with the issues and that's since we're like four, like five about five issues behind um at least for each book since before we started tonight that we that's that was our mindset so hopefully once we get like once we get everything once we get caught up then we should be in a much better position to do our our usual issue usual episodes so hopefully the april fool's episode will be just the way it normally is but, but better <laughs> <Yeah>. or for worse. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, Matt's comment, uh, he had not listened to episode 168 yet, in which we do the random issue review of uh, Green Lantern number 81. So, yeah. Um, and then uh, Jeff said, yeah, no offense to Mark, but if Jim and Dan are cutting out, so am I. It's been a good run, and I hope you guys find the time to return someday, probably after that Ring Merchandise episode <laughs> from 2012 comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we made fun of Jim for that in the fifth, fifth anniversary anyways. <laughs> That's what, episode 149, I think? <laughs> I don't remember anymore. All I know is I am on it. It's just it's just been so long. I remember recording it like it was yesterday. It was, it was just, It's just when you think about it, my God, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, so, like I said earlier, thanks for listening, Jeff. We appreciate it. Uh, and uh, sorry you're not listening anymore. Hopefully you uh, follow Jim and Dan over to that Sliders podcast if you like them. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe uh, you'll be back someday and we'll hear from you again. Um, and then Dowd said, uh, <laughs> Chad, how long do you plan to be ha- have the hazing period to be? Two or three years? <laughs> <laughs> to which I replied, uh, I don't know, something like it remains to be seen or something like that. <laughs> or as long as it takes. <laughs> After I pointed out that it, that it was two to three minutes and that's over with. <laughs> but to be fair, when I have a chance to haze him and it be legitimate, I might say something. <laughs> but, it, you know, we kind of razz each other. This, this show, we've, we've always made fun of each other in every opportunity. So it's not like it's specifically for hazing. It's just keeping up with a proud tradition. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is true. <laughs> and then uh, in relation to the fifth anniversary episode in the news uh, that uh, Mark and I were taking the reins, Craig said, this announcement put me in a terrible mood. Thanks. You ruined Christmas. Now it's up to Mark and Chad to make sure 2014 isn't ruined too. <laughs> um, no pressure. <laughs> Not at all. But at least um, we didn't ruin Christmas. That's right. We haven't ruined Christmas uh, yet. <laughs> Did you like 170? How about this one? Um yeah, uh, it's, you know, like, like I said, you, you, you guys love uh, Jim and Dan. Follow them over to the Sliders podcast. Hopefully uh, you guys like that. 
you like Dan, you know, do that uh, Power Rangers uh, podcast that they were doing. I think it was like, oh, let's, let's, let's watch Power Rangers. Um, so, you know, and, and, and hopefully you enjoyed this couple of shows that you've heard so far, Craig. And uh, you continue to listen and uh, we always accept feedback. So, um, yeah, no big deal. And, and then uh, that's the last of the, the fifth anniversary stuff. And then I just want to throw out a thanks to Jeff, Ryan, John, uh, Dan, obviously Dan and Jim uh, kind of liked this and commented on it too. Andres, Mark yourself, um, Jesse and Dwayne, who all commented on my post on uh, uh, on the uh, Lantern Cast Facebook page about me trying Doctor Who. Apparently, there was a heated debate about where I should start. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, guys. I started with Matt Smith. I went to Austin Comic-Con, and I was told to start there. Not by just pretty girls, because um, apparently Mark said boobs are the most powerful force <laughs> in the universe. This is true. <clears throat> <laughs> um, but I started with Matt Smith. Uh, I've watched a couple of episodes now. It's okay. It's kind of quirky, kind of weird. I, I do like the fast. I, I, I've always liked characters, when they're done right, who have that fast talk, that that fast talk, double speak kind of stuff down, and the Matt Smith Doctor has that. I don't know if all the Doctors are supposed to be talking like that, who say weird things really quickly and then dart off to the next thing. I don't know, um, but I do like that. I do like the way Matt Smith pulls that off. I will say that the most recent episodes that I watched were the Stone Angel thing, and honestly, that was creepy as hell. <laughs> That was creepy as hell. <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen those? No, I, I have not gotten into Doctor Who yet at the moment. Okay, so the, the and I'm not trying to spoil anything for anybody, but the concept is there's this I don't know if it's an alien or like something that's been affected by radiation or something. I didn't really fully get what it was, but it didn't really matter because it was the concept. It's this stone angel. That moves when you're not looking at it. And they go into this cave-ish area to take out this angel or, you know, resurrect or, or get something from the crash ship, something like that. But it's a cave, right? So it's dark. These, the stone angel, and it turns out there are other stone, uh, you know, things, statues that move. Um, are draining radiation from the, this crashed spaceship, which is causing lights to flicker on and off, and these things are um, out to get you. So basically, every time these lights flicker and you can't see them, they move towards you. And when the lights come back on, they stop. So every time the lights flash off and then flash back on, these things are a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And then there's this creepy. They one of them communicates through this uh, this walkie-talkie thing, and it's I don't know, dude. It's just creepy. It's it's like a really simple and if you explain it to somebody, weird concept. But when you watch these two episodes, it's creepy as hell. Like, and I know that these these um these uh Doctor Who episodes for the most part are kind of uh, low budget special effects, but it doesn't matter, dude. It just it, this is creepy. This episode's just creepy, uh, and it. it <laughs> I saw a post on Facebook today. It's almost like I don't. It's like the most incredible, the, the most uh, interesting man in the world right. uh, meme. He's like, 
I don't always watch scary movies. And then on the bottom it says, but when I do, I watch Disney movies. <laughs> I watch classic Disney movies until bed, until I'm comfortable enough to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> After I watched that episode, I was like, I don't know, I need to like watch Up or something. <laughs> 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 it was just creepy. I don't know. Uh, but that's where I am. If anybody is in- listening is interested in where I, what I am currently as we record this. I've watched the first episode of the Matt Smith Doctor Who, and I'm up to just after the uh, Stone Angels episode. Um, and uh, so thanks to all those who contributed to that conversation and made me feel like crap for listening to or for watching the wrong Doctor. Um, uh, and Sergio, uh, this is all about the Kyle Rayner 20th anniversary. Uh, Sergio says, 20 years and the adventures keep on coming. Nice to see a trade paperback at DC Comics. Still give us a Give a damn about those uh, of us who either don't care for or don't like Hal as the main GL. Wish they would have done the same thing for Wally. Um, yeah, I miss Wally, too. Uh, I'm not reading any of the Flash stuff, not because Wally's not in there, but I don't know. I, I can only invest in and keep up with so many books, so I'm just not... Uh, I'm, I'm listening to Flashback podcasts to keep... I'm interested in what's going on with Flash. I want to know what's happening, but... I'm not going to read the book. So I listen to flashback podcasts to keep up with that. A lot of people miss Wally. I miss Jesse quick. Does anybody remember Jesse quick? I, yeah, I mean, I'm, it's not, I'm getting a clear image in my head, but I do, but I do, I do remember Jesse. I miss Jesse, Wally more, but Jesse quick slash Liberty bell. Um, I don't know if she would be showing up on earth too. I, I, that's another book I'm not caught up with Earth two. So I don't know what's happening with Alan, but I, I'm yes, guys, we'll be getting to it at some point. I don't know when. Um, uh, and James Earl liked our posts. Or, uh, that's not his, that's his middle name. Ha. Uh, James Earl liked that post. Uh, Michael said he's still my Green Lantern. Happy birthday, Kyle. Matthew said another good event from Superman's death, a new Green Lantern. And then Andy, damn it, Andy. Said, uh, Guy Gardner for life. <laughs> Dude! <laughs> eh, come on, Kyle's awesome. Kyle's, Kyle, Kyle might quickly be soon. Quickly be soon. Um, <laughs> more, more quickly. <laughs> more, more quickly. Um, <laughs> Kyle, Kyle is definitely up there with my, my favorite GLs. He's definitely above Guy and, and, and John. I don't know if he's higher than Kyle. But he's pretty close to Hal as one of my favorite Green Lanterns. And I'm talking Green Lanterns, period. Not Earth Green Lanterns. I just mean period. And then uh, Paul said, Kyle had his girlfriend stuffed in the refrigerator. That rocked. (laughs) Unless you were Alex, of course. (laughs) Or Gail Simone. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't tell Gail that. (laughs) Um, And then uh, over on our forums... Uh, just one thing I wanted to mention real quick about uh, Kyle's 20th uh, anniversary. Apparently, it wasn't so much a uh, happy birthday Kyle over there as a debate on my list of who is the hottest out of Kyle's girlfriends. So thanks to Dowd, Jim, and Corwin for uh, either agreeing or disagreeing with my list of the hottest, the, the my ranking of Kyle's hot girlfriends. And for the record, even though, you know, if I left it in a cliffhanger, you guys would have to visit our forums. <laughs> I say, Alex, 
is greater than Jade. Jade is greater than Donna. Donna is greater than Sora. That's my list. And I'm not saying Sora's not attractive. I just think that Donna's more attractive than Sora. And, you know, like I said, that list. Uh, Dow disagreed with me. Jim agreed with me. Corwin disagreed with me. <laughs> so, whatever. And honestly, Jade wouldn't even be on that list because I'm still, frankly, a little bit sore that she cheated on Kyle. But whatever. <laughs> that bitch. Um, <laughs> almost got through the whole episode without cussing. Uh, uh, and that wraps up the listener feedback. We did not have any voicemails or emails to go over. Um, but that's what we got. And like I said, guys, this is going to happen every episode as much as, as long as we have some sort of content to, to go about. Um, so like I said, throughout this uh, episode here, if you guys have any comments on these issues that we've reviewed, send us an email, uh, or, um, or send us a voicemail and, uh, we'll, you know, read it or play it on the show or like I said, Twitter and Facebook. And by the way, if you're on, um, Facebook and Twitter, and you're not, you know, using like AtlanticCast or any of that stuff. Just use the hashtag because Facebook supports hashtags now. GLCast is the hashtag. Hashtag GLCast, like podcast. And uh, that'll be an easy way for us to all find all the conversations. Um, so that's probably going to do it for this episode. How else can people find us, Mark? <laughs> Let them Google us now. I'm only kidding. <laughs> Google. Bye. <laughs> That's it. Goodbye. No, we're only we're only kidding. Of course, uh, you can email us at lanterncast at gmail com. That's where the most of the emails should go to. If there was anything specific that you wanted to ask Chad or I, you can email us individually at mark at lanterncast com or chad at lantern excuse me chad at lanterncast com. You can visit our website lanterncast com. But you can also check out our galleries. You can access our forums through there. Uh, we're also avail- we're on Twitter, so you can follow us on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook. And we're also on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you like us on iTunes, feel free to leave us a review. Yeah, that's it. So. Uh, oh, and the phone number. I left out the phone number. And the uh, voicemail. What's the voicemail? Yes, the phone number for the voicemail is 708-LANTERN. Sorry about that. That's right. 708 Lantern, and uh, we'll play those as soon as we can. Um, we're going to try and knock these out, uh, these episodes out, these uh, three issue reviews in rapid succession. So, like I said, I'm not sure how much the listener feedback will be on the next episode, but we'll try and get as much as we can in. So, give us some content, guys. I know that some of the listener feedback has been uh, dwindling lately because, like I said, in the past, we just didn't play any voicemails or read any emails or get back with you guys. Uh, but now we are. So uh, if you want to, uh, if you want to uh, conversate with us, I know we have a vast listening audience out there, uh, and hopefully you all didn't abandon ship with Jim and uh, Dan. Um, but uh, if you like what you're hearing or have any comments, shoot it, shoot it our way. Um, honestly, I would think uh, voicemail or email would be better, since uh, I'm not saying it's hard to keep track of it on Facebook or Twitter, but it's slightly more difficult than just going to our Gmail and listening to voicemails or reading emails. So, um, but either way, whatever you have time for, because I know not everybody has time during the day to compose their thoughts, sit down, write an email, and send it when it's easier to just grab your phone and send out a tweet. So, so uh, 
that'll do it. And uh, next episode uh, should be our uh, uh, 21, 22, and 23 of New Guardians. And we'll hopefully get these knocked out pretty quick. Uh, and you guys uh, will be caught up with you guys and start doing uh, the, the regular reviews. And, uh, you know, go back to some of the random topics and, uh, well, not totally non-Green Lantern-related topics, but some stuff that Mark and I want to cover. We won't give away too much, but, you know, like, I'm not saying when this will happen or if it's even soon, but we do eventually have to get to the Sinestro Core War and some other things. So there are some big topics that uh, we want to cover, and uh, hopefully after we get caught up, we can get those out to you guys. Very nicely put, and if anyone has suggestions for topics or things we can do to improve the show, uh, feel free. Those are absolutely. We absolutely want to hear from you guys related to that. We want to hear from you in general, but but don't hesitate to let us know if there's a if there's a topic you think we should have co- that should have been covered a while ago or something you want to make sure it doesn't slip through the cracks. Now that it seems you know time appropriate, time sensitive, just let us know. Awesome. All right, guys, that's it. I've rambled enough uh, and repeated myself enough. So, good night. Good night, everybody.